brand new episode of the internet's most hated mafia-themed geek podcast, the Long Coat Mafia Podcast. It is I, the Reverend Godfather, show's main host and frontman. I'm also known as the Martinsburg Madman over on Sasha, the Princess of Darkness, Darkness's podcast, the podcast After Dark. But here on our show, the Long Coat Mafia, we are about to start our anniversary month and to give a lot of you folks out there a little bit of a history. We here at the show started our Podbean account at the end of May. So we are kind of starting a few days early, but that first month we we had a lot of beta episodes and our first official episode was July the 12th, 2015. Now, over the next probably month, month and a half, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of toss out a couple of anniversary episodes along with our main content if we are putting out main content. So either way, you're going to get a bunch of bonus episodes out there. So you're getting content no matter what. So don't don't be scared about that. It's just... That a lot of what you're going to be hearing, it might be this episode, it might be another episode, are episodes from our first year. And a lot of what we were doing, especially myself, mainly myself, was cringe. We didn't know what to do, we didn't know how to do it, or say, I didn't know what to do, or how to do it. I was learning on the fly. So please bear with the content you are about to hear and everything else. So, in this episode, because we are currently teaming up with Sasha, the Princess of Darkness, so let's start out with our first bonus anniversary episode, being Sasha, the Princess of Darkness's first appearance on our show, The Long Coat Mafia. Now, granted, like I said in the intro, a lot of what we were doing was cringe. I'm not saying what Sasha was doing was cringe. She might have been doing what she was doing for a little while longer than what we were doing because we were still trying to gain footing, again, trying to find our groove. So... Because we met Sasha at a four-state Comic-Con earlier that year, we had her on on our show to talk about what she does, who she is, and ask her a few questions. Again, this is cringe. A lot of what we discussed is always under heavy context, or say what we discussed in this original episode and her first appearance was done under heavy context because... My rules for the show has always been no racial slurs, no type of uh, no racial racial slurs or anything like that. Uh, If there's any drama or anything, let me go back to rule one: no racial slurs, no racial slurs, no anything that might be considered uh, racism, uh, phobic talk. Or any of that like. No hate speech or anything like that. 
The second one is no drama. Uh, try to keep drama to a minimum. Uh, if there is drama or it leads to drama, please let me know. That way you could uh, hit the hammer on the head in the episode so the listeners know that everything's been smoothed out. Or at least I myself or everybody has a chance to apologize. And the final one is just have fun. That's what we're here for. Relax. You're here to have a discussion. But this episode, because it was us, or at least me, dealing with somebody like Sasha, who who is transgender and part of the LGBTQIA community, uh, I had some questions for her. I believe that was in this episode. So everything was done under very heavy context. And so... You'll hear it in this episode, so let me also, before I continue and say, let's us begin. Let Dave, let's cue the music. Let me just say this. Our initial or our, what we use is a standard intro has not been, was not standardized yet. Uh, we had uh, Zombie Bunny kind of do the intro or at least say the name of the show, and that's what we used, but now we have... The one, the only, the legendary, God rest his soul, Spike, George Spike Reel, uh, give us his voice for our show. We have mad respect for him. So, and again, he, many years ago, he passed away. So either way, here is the first appearance of Sasha, the Princess of Darkness. Dave, cue the music and the episode. Okay, um, alright folks, um, alright Goombas and those who are listening from Sasha's channel and everywhere else on the web, I am speaking with Sasha, the Princess of Darkness, and everybody welcome to the Longcoat Mafia podcast. Um, As some of you might remember, a few weeks ago, what was it, about a month ago, Sasha? About a month, give or about take. A mu- um, give or take, about a month ago, I was on her podcast on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, she also has a YouTube channel, which I'll link in our description. And as of... Oh, you're watching YouTube, I see it. <laughs> hey, really? uh, yeah, I see you behind you, you're watching like YouTube. Uh, because of our distance, uh, Sasha has agreed to be on our show through Skype, so there might be some connection hiccups and so forth and so on. So please, listeners, forgive that. Um, this should prove a very interesting uh, podcast. Uh, we'll go into that a little bit later. Um, but for a while, um, the reason why I'm here speaking with Sasha is because she's a horror fan. She's a gamer. And amongst other things, again, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and hopefully we'll learn a few things, too, um, with Sasha's permission. So, oh, yeah, sure. So, uh, with me, I'm pretty open. That's why I have that uh, daily like blog I put up every day. So, you know, when you get a chance, definitely link uh, the uh, web page because I just talk. I answer questions. If there's nothing that we don't cover on the day's show, they're welcome to get in contact with me to ask more questions. 
Yeah. I, how can I put it best? My philosophy has always been, you know, as long as you're upright and you're being curious and honest and you're not being a dick about it, I'll answer any question. Yeah, um, to, I want to, might as well, since we're kind of touching on that, uh, Sasha is transgender. Uh, we'll get into a little bit the nuances of the word and so forth and so on later on. We'll do kind of do a, uh, with her permission, um, kind of a transgender for dummies or complete morons. Uh, hopefully I won't be too offensive for those who are, I don't want to say trigger happy, but... <laughs> You're uh, social justice warriors out there. Yeah. Um, to hopefully Sasha will clear a few things up with the trans... I, I, I don't like using culture because that is... We're, everybody who lives in this country is American. We're American culture. I'd rather say transgender community. It sounds a little bit better and more neutral, if that's okay. Oh right, yeah, that's fine. Absolutely okay. fine. Um, but first, let's. Um, so, as, as I said, Sha Sasha is a big horror fan. She's done many of uh, videos and talked. I'm sure very much about various uh, horror movies. We, I think, last night we um, were into some of the bad movie aspects of things. And you recently, for I think Shark Week, either last week or Shark Week this week. Yes, oh dear God, yes. I'm still <laughs> editing Sharknado 2. No. Just... <laughs> I loved it when somebody messaged me the other day, oh, there's a fourth one. And I'm like, uh, next year. <laughs> I saw, um, I've seen the first one. I still have to watch the other two. They're on my Netflix uh, to-watch list. And it's, it's a train wreck. It's those movies that you can't help but watch and not turn away. It's like, I can't. I this is a train wreck. I I cannot not watch this. <laughs> Why am I watching this? Oh, it's that bad. Um, thank you, Sci-Fi well, Original. What, that's what's so funny with Asylum, though. They I don't know if you've ever read up on them in their background. Uh, they're underneath the impression that they're trying to actually make high-grade quality film. I don't know if anybody else got the memo, but they think when they do something, they, when they produce a production, even if it's Sharknado or any number of the Asylum's films, like they do not produce joke scripts. You actually have to have a serious intent in your own script, a straight-up pitch. Like you were going to like DreamWorks or Universal or 20th Century Fox and throwing them a pitch that isn't a comedy, they would actually have you do the same approach with the Asylum. Now, I don't know if that helps them. I don't know how you know they still continue to produce the crap that they do but they try to pretend that yes we're low budget but we act high budget i always found that kind of odd you know some of the stuff they put out the, uh i'm sure i have a few i have at least one person on my friends list that does uh, low budget movies or he's an independent filmmaker i'm sure you know a few people as well um i'm going to kind of exclude matt in this because we both know matt but i'm talking about separate companies um what what's your definition of low budget because I've heard several other filmmakers say I'm a low budget filmmaker I'm an indie filmmaker and when you go into their budget it's like oh it's one million dollars two million dollars and like really I know independent filmmakers they're making uh, movies for maybe between 500 and maybe about at most 10 grand well it all depends on the philosophy behind it and who's making it um, and that's what kind of trips me out when it comes to trying to define what is low budget and what is indie. Um, my philosophy of it is, is as long as you don't have like some sort of major backing behind you, 
then you can fall underneath that low budget and basically, you know, that indie, you know, frame. Um, like, for example, Fuzzy Monkey out of Martinsburg. I consider them low budget and indie. Um, they're still really good. Um, I love MILFs vs. Zombies. The title always makes me laugh. Um, and then the guys up here, you know, around the Hagerstown, the Tri-State area here, and the Chambersburg area, area like Creepy Crawl, I consider them low budget and indie as well. Yeah, uh, the guys I know down are out of Richmond, Starkstone Entertainment. Again, is that whole independent is with all the remakes, the uh, – I'm not talking – Sharknado and all that, they they might fall fall into the independent category, but I'm talking about the major studios like Paramount, Warner Brothers, Fox, whomever, that are constantly putting remakes after remakes after remakes, reboots, quasi-sequels, and so forth and so on, but the remakes, uh, I mean the independents are the ones that are kind of not pushing the envelope, but trying to breathe a fresh of breath, air, like a I'm, it's come, I'm falling over my words. They're kind of a breath of fresh air in the industry that they're trying to do something new where the effects quality might not be there, but they might have a story quality there. Exactly. So. And, and to me, you know, it, it doesn't even deal with money. I mean, you can go to any number of, like, dentists and doctors to get them back your, like, you know, bankroll your film – but you can still be low budget as in that, yes, we raised the funds. Yes, we didn't have a major studio backing. Yes, we didn't have like a major theatrical release. Um, and to me, that kind of falls underneath that whole low budget and whole indie, you know, philosophy. Then you got your B-grade films, which are just oddballs that can be made with a high budget, but still have that low budget and indie feel. I think a there have been probably past movies that were high budget and still considered B movies or just bad movies. Uh, I've told people that some movies have uh, a bounce. If a movie has a bounce, it's it's a good movie. And they don't really understand is that well, if a movie's bad, it's going to just hit the floor and it's not going to go anywhere. If it's got bounce, it's going to come back as a cult classic. There's plenty of cult classics out there. Um, big Channel. Big Trouble in Little China, uh, Goonies. They're which even hard. Uh, um, which one? Goonies? I thought that was going to be a sequel. No, no. Um, Big Trouble in Little China is getting a remake with the fucking Rock. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, why? I think. <laughs> yeah, why? Why? Uh, I have nothing against uh, the Rock, but it's one of those. Oh, let's do it with the Rock. Oh dear God, why? Why must you do this? Um, it's. Uh, I think you and I might have had disagree, not so much on Facebook, but a little bit disagreements on the uh, Ghostbusters reboot. It's to me, it's I can understand why they're doing it, but they're going about it the wrong way. It's just, it's just hurtful. They could have used better actresses in that and a better team in that than what they're do going for. It's as I said to uh, my co-host, if they use like um uh. Michelle Rodriguez in it as one of the people and someone else part of it but like Michelle Rodriguez and a few other better stronger action actresses in it mm -hmm. and even if they had one comedic actress into it let's say she might not be let's say let's go with this lineup um, 
as the comedic female, or if you want to go with an African American female, Queen Latifah. Uh, go with um, Michelle Rodriguez as um, if you need someone a little bit brainy, because for most people, at least for me, it would fit. Kind of a, an engineer, kind of like the Dan Aykroyd character of the original. Not so much a brainy, but if you could design it, I'll make it type of deal. Right. And I think a lot of that, it's not so much that we have a disagreement. My, my biggest grievance with everybody complaining about the new Ghostbusters film, it has nothing to do with sexism, it has nothing to do with anything right. of that nature, is the fact that everybody's like, they've remade a classic. And me, I'm sitting here with my wealth and knowledge of films, I'm like, um, technically, you know, it's Columbia kind of ripped off a 1975 kids show for their concept. They had to pay filmation for the stinking name. The only thing different is, granted, yes, they punched up, made it more adult humor than the campy kid stuff that was in the Ghostbusters in 1975. But the kicker is, is that it's the same concept, paranormal investigators and eliminators, just minus the eight, the kids' campiness, and the whole nine yards. Hopefully, um, the new cartoon that's coming out will be a hell of a lot better, or at least decent. Uh, I'll be happy to see what's going on with that. Well, supposedly it's a time jump, like an additional 20, 30 years into the future. Um, from what I understand, from what I've read on it, and it kind of concerns me a little, because you got to remember, Ivan Reitman, yes, did help us get the real Ghostbusters. But he also gave us the Slimer cartoon. He also gave us the Ghostbusters Juniors. And that's also a little, you know, they're kind of, with everything good that's come out with Ghostbusters... Um, there has been a lot of, I won't say bad, but poorly done stuff. Um, the, not the 2009 video game. That was graphically, yeah, it, it was, it's a great game. Graphically not, might not be the best, but it was there. It, out of 10, I'm saying it's at least a six and a half, maybe seven out of 10. Well, it all depends on what you run it on. I mean, if you're running it on an X. Box 360 or even like a PC, like the graphics on there were farly superior for anything that was out there. PS3 it was kind of lacking. I don't know why they did that, but Xbox 360 did get an HD overhaul, and um, PC did have that as well. So I mean, if you're a PC gamer, there you go. And that was my other argument because everybody's like, we didn't get Ghostbusters 3, and my constant argument is, yes, yes, you did. You just didn't play the video game. That's what it was being billed as. It was like Ghostbusters 3 for a while, and yeah. Uh, it, they had the sanction of slime that came after that, which is what a lot making a lot of fans be worried about is that the studios treating go, this new Ghostbusters movie and the game that's coming out to kind of tie into it as the way the same way as Fox has treated like Deadpool a little bit that it's going to flop. They know it's going to flop, but the way things or the or the atmosphere around Ghostbusters is that it might actually flop as where with Deadpool people went back to see more see all the uh, jokes and make sure they got everything that they missed with this it, they there might be they might not be that aspect of people going back to for a rewatch so that's where it might actually hurt the movie we'll see in the long run yeah, and my philosophy of it then is, is that it's opening up to a whole new generation. I mean, when you put out a remake of something, a lot of people, granted, not many, but a good many, are going to be asking, 
hey, what was the original like? And then they'll go back and they'll watch, you know, the parent, you know, not Paramount, but the, the Columbia original film. And then they'll maybe even go back further and watch the Ghostbusters kids show. I don't recommend it because don't get me wrong. I, I don't say that Filmation made a great kids show. But to me, you know, when you're saying like the new Ghostbusters is a remake, well, yeah, it is. It's a remake of a remake. Let's let's acknowledge that. <laughs> That's essential. And, and so we discussed on your show is that not all remakes or, or uh, reboots are bad. Um, my example is um, the Thing reboot, or I'm not talking about John Carpenter's, even though that was a a remake, a remake of or a sequel to the original, depending on how you want to look at it. Uh, historically and film wise but the one that came out a few years ago was a quasi reboot homage sequel prequel of of that and it did it to me it did it justice and it was very good I'd watch it again if I had access to it but or once it comes on streaming, I'll watch it again. It was send very me well your done. email. I'll send you a boot of it. Don't even worry about it. My, <laughs> yeah. my rule is, is is follow my advice. Watch the remake, what you call a remake, and then watch the original back to back. They run into each other seamlessly. The one that launched in late 2000 was not a remake. It's a prequel because they even do shot for shot explanation as to what happened in the uh, Norwegian camp. Yeah, it, it was one of those things that, for at least for that movie, it came out. A little bit like, oh, is it a prequel? Is it a uh, reboot? But to me, it came off as a pre- more so a prequel than anything else, and it did it. Ju- it didn't hurt the previous source mis- material in any way, shape, or form. That that's only, what I liked about it. The only thing I didn't like was is the one Norwegian guy who doesn't speak any English, and you grow to like toward the end of the film. You know, just watching that one from the beginning, you know, watching that one first and watching the 1980s one later, yeah, that kind of hits you in the heartstrings when you realize who that is. It's just like, oh, man, that sucks. I liked him, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and to think um, with with that, I'm sure you know, to, but to enlighten the fans, that the people that originally watched the John Carpenter's version of the thing, the Norwegians got it spoiled for them watching yep. that movie because... The that part was purposely not translated for the moviegoers with subtitles. So when the Norwegians went to watch the film, they heard this person in the native tongue saying, "Don't you know, kill the dog? It's an alien! It's an alien! It's an alien!" Yep. That's the translated line. The, you have to kill the dog. And that's it's, the sad part. That's the guy I was telling you about. Yeah, it's just and no one knows. And even though it's a setup for that movie, and it's. It's they got it in like wait a minute it, it, for them it got spoiled but I'm sure it's it's a cult class again it's a cult classic it might have not done well in the theaters but it's one of those many movies that you're fans going face to, you're going face to face with ET on release day yeah so what are you gonna do at you know me I'm a parent what are you gonna do take the kids to go see a murderous alien or go see the happy alien unless of course <laughs> they actually did the original script to ET and then it would be you know <laughs> six of one half a dozen of the other. At least in the the uh, at least uh, Spielberg took away the uh, microphone, uh, not the walkie-talkies, and put the shotguns back in. Yeah. So uh, at least he, at least that he he acknowledged his error and the the error of his ways, and hopefully that's good. And one of the things since our last um, chat th- online, um, being on your show, one of my friends um, and my co-host pretty much yelled at me. It's like I was listening to the show. 
you did a great job, but I am shocked and I am appalled at you. And he was like, I'm like, why? You did not bring up Life Force. And I'm like, oh, I don't think that might have been appropriate. And he's like, but still, it's our, it's the one movie. Uh, again, I keep explaining for my fans, it, as a single, I don't mean this in any way or shape for, as an offense to you, but as a single guy growing up, here's a movie about not only vampires, space vampires who turn their victims in into zombies, but the main actress that is um, the lead vampire spends most of her screen time nude. full frontal nude, and it's a canon film, and going back of, of all the films that I liked as a kid growing up, especially this one, I'm looking at canon film, canon film, can, I'm like, no wonder I like this movie, and it, canon is like almost the higher budget version of trauma, you know, it's, we're just going to dish out movies just because, you know, uh, just give us movies, We, I'm just going to make a plot of a movie, and it's going to go out there, and here's a train wreck of a movie, and too bad, how did this get made, just snowballed my favorite movie. Well, <laughs> Canon also did RoboCop. Canon, I believe, wasn't they the original releasers and financers for Terminator? I don't know. I I didn't see it on their uh, wiki page. Yeah, because I, I think they were the ones that originally, like, you know, brought Terminator to theaters, I believe, and I think RoboCop was Canon as well. I may be wrong, but I'm thinking so. And I'm I'm here looking at it, it's like I don't know who released it. I don't think it'll be an IM an IMDb in reference to it. I didn't see it on their. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, give me a second. Uh, Kids got the TV cranked. I was like, I need air, and of course I'm blasted well. with Pokemon. <laughs> That's the thing with some some remakes. It's like you have the double entry on. Uh, let's see. It doesn't see. Uh, that's the downside. It doesn't give who uh, sent it out. Uh, let's see. Prime. Trivia quotes, scripts, filming locations, message boards. Um, and that's. Death Wish. I know they did Death Wish. And Death Wish 2. At least they did the sequels for Death Wish. Yeah. And. They did Robotech the movie. It might have been one... That's probably what you were thinking of. It was Robotech. It, they did a lot of... As you were talking about last night, those uh, movies that might have been so close to the original. Hey, Robo, Robocop's popular right now, or Terminator's popular right now. Let's do this Robotech movie, and maybe the fans who will rent it will pick it up. All right. Yeah, I could have swore they did some bigger names. I could have swore that they were involved. Now, Orion Pictures. I think Orion eventually did, or Canon did eventually. Well, either or, Canon or Orion absorbed each other at one point. One of the two. Before Orion became bankrupt. That, that was the thing about, like, with comedy movies. You had a great uh, UHF, uh, the Weird Al movie, got eaten up in the box office because you had... Uh, Batman, RoboCop, Rambo, all these blockbusters, and they just got lost in the shuffle. Right. Was He-Man uh, canon? Yeah, He-Man was canon. Yeah. They but wanted they did to... that in Cyborg. Yeah, they did. 
I wonder if they did Cyborg 2. I gotta look them up, that up later. Well, actually, they were gonna do a sequel. It was gonna, it was gonna be funny because they were gonna do a sequel to He-Man, and they were actually gonna get the rights to do a Spider-Man movie, and that's how we got the Cyborg franchise because they did not get the rights for a He-Man sequel, nor did they get the rights to continue doing Spider-Man. And that, that's what I heard too. It was gonna uh, the He-Man sequel is gonna be more or less like a, uh, um, like a surfer movie type of deal. Yeah. It was going yeah, and like oh that would just fans were probably pissed about masters masters of the universe anyway and here they're going to do a sequel that's just utter shit you know and it's like wow. And well, see, part of the joy of He Man was the fact that it didn't take place on Earth you know it was some medieval primeval kind of weird place that was what was it Eternia or whatever it was yeah. called and I think. It was, Randor was from Earth, like He-Man's father, but I, right. I can't remember exactly. It, that was the thing, is that um, according to canon, Ran King Randor was from Earth. They were supposed to... A scene was cut out from that, that when they were going underneath Grayskull, you were supposed to see like pieces of a um, NASA rocket ship, and right. they just cut it. But what most people don't know about that is that when masters was in production it was based on the toy line not the cartoon right. that's where a lot of fans were pissed at it's like it's not based on the cartoon no it's based on the toy line canon showing that um he-man was this conan the barbarian type figure and the fans just didn't understand that they wanted the whole aspect of him raising the sword saying i have the power and that sort of thing, but... Right. And, and the kicker of it is, 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 you know, number one, it was the Filmation cartoon, and the cartoon came later, because I believe the toy, toy line started first, and the cartoon came much later. Right. And even the toy line had its own established universe, those little mini comic books that you would get. And granted, right. a lot of us kids would ball those up and toss them, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. wish I had all those now, but they had their own unique universe and their own unique dynamic to them which was kind of independent from the cartoon show. Yes, the cartoon show would touch on it, but it was completely different. And then there was, like, storybooks and everything else where you got to sit there and wonder, well, what exactly is canon and what exactly isn't. And that was always funny, but some of the 80s stuff from the 80s when we grew up is was amazing, was odd, amazing, and who knows what. It's kind of hard to put into words in reference to the cartoons from our childhood because it's that aspect of like He-Man's like why did I watch this stupid piece of bad animation and it's just repetitive and a lot of things that were just wrong that but it turned on to like Thundercats and it was like oh this is still awesome it holds up and other stuff and it's just that endless toy commercial from Transformers which I'm happy the Blu-ray is Blu coming out I have a few friends saying why are you buying the Blu-ray it's the Blu-ray. I want it on a Blu-ray now. Yeah, but that's the thing. Um, with animation, and granted, my eyes are for shit nowadays. So, I mean, I got a high-def TV. You saw it in the background. But um, the thing of it is, is is that my eyes are shitty. And, like, with a cartoon, like, it, it's a 2D, 2D plane. How much more high-def can you get on a 2D plane in reality? Right. And it'll, it'll probably be on what's being put in that... Um blu-ray box if it's a special edition that they're giving extras in it or cards it depends on what they're giving i uh, 
I saw the initial report or initial article that it was coming out in September. I guess once the um, it gets closer to the anniversary date, we'll see what's if there's any special editions, if they're giving away a figure or something like that. So for me, with iDef, my eyes are the same way. It's like I can look at five different HD TVs, high def TVs, and not notice, barely notice a difference. Barely notice a difference, and kind of which makes it a good segue to go into uh, the uh, gaming aspect of the show. Um, the show. Uh, what do you think about some of the news coming out of E3, like a little more than a week ago? Well, I got to play around with the new Legend of Zelda, which was kind of cool, because I had a friend that was able to demo it. I'm not naming any names, because nobody needs to be bugging him. Uh, but that was really interesting. Um, very open world, very unique. I'm curious. I mean, it's a departure, and we all know how everybody feels whenever Legend of Zelda decides to break new ground. But it's always funny when they follow the same you know, formulaic process where it's the exact same thing, people bitch that it's too cookie cutter. And it's like, well, come on, they need to do something to kind of spice it up. And granted, yes, this has got a lot of elements from like open world, like Western open world RPGs, like Skyrim and things of that nature. Um, but I think it's for the best. I think that's going to be very interesting, and I'm curious as to what happens. Um, having already bought a PS4, I'm not a fan with the big announcements with you know the PS4 Neo. I hear there's going to be an add-on, so we PS4 owners aren't left behind. Kind of chaps me in the ass a little bit. Um, and then of course, um, I'm very very happy about the new Resident Evil, and I just like get a hands-on with the demo for that, like on YouTube. I'm waiting on a lot of the uh, f- fans, the uh, Xbox uh, um, Xbox One S fans, to get a little bit pissed when the S rolls out in August because I'm sure there's a lot of people on a lot of the forums saying going to be saying that um, the it's going to be 4K. It's 4K. No, it, it is 4K, but it's not 4K. Um, when you look at it, the it's going to be 4K out in video only, which means for the fans... When you're watching Netflix, you're watching a Blu-ray disc. If it's four, if it's 4K compatible and you got a 4K TV, then yes, you're gonna get 4K video. But the gaming is not gonna be 4K. Exactly. And it might not, you might not get that until the Xbox One of Scorpion, which is gonna come out a year after. It's gonna come out next year. And I got into an internet debate with somebody saying, oh, it's not next, uh, the Xbox One Scorpion is not next gen because it's going to be backwards compatibility. And I said, it might actually be next gen. It's like, but it plays Xbox One games. I said, because it's backwards compatibility, it, you're the way you're sound, making it sound like the PS2 wasn't next gen or the Xbox One. Um, Xbox One isn't next gen because both are backwards or were backwards compatibility. And it's like, well, the Xbox One is not backwards compatibility. It's a software update. Either way, it's playing next gen games and it's playing previous gen games. It's, by your logic, it's not next gen. And we um, met in the middle saying that it might be the next step up to the whatever the next generation might be but still it's just a, a lot from what I've been hearing from a lot of people it's it's like a cash grab that's all it is 
and we might not have consoles within another generation or two. Well, I see it kind of like, you know how about midway through a system's life, and let's face it, like PS4, I know for a fact that came out three years ago, um, almost four. Uh, but the thing of it is, is is that most systems' lives are, what, maybe six, seven years if you're lucky. So we're definitely near that halfway point where they're going to reissue the system. And nine times out of ten, even if you look at first-gen, like PlayStation 3, for example, take first-gen PlayStation 3, compare it to the latter gens, a lot of it's stripped down. But if you look at the circuit boards and a lot of the internal workings, they've been upgraded and they've been enhanced a little bit. So not only can they fit in a slimmer case... But it's a little bit better. Now, with this upgrade that they're proposing, and I'm going to get into some of the VR gaming because that's one thing I liked about Sony because Sony's like, yes, we're going to have the PlayStation 4 Neo. But the kicker of it is is those that have the existing PlayStation 4, you'll be able to get add-ons so you can still run it at a higher definition if you need to so you can enable the VR gaming. And I think that's where a lot of it's coming in because nobody knew that VR was going to be such a big thing. And granted, yes, Sony had plans from the get-go to do the Project Orpheus, but the problem of it is, is is that a lot of the designers for the games are looking at the way it displayed on the Orpheus, and they're like, we need a better resolution. So they're putting a little bit more ass into the system with this, you know, current console update that's coming up. The, my only thing with this is that there are many people, I'm not sure, uh, I'm not going to people's funds who are asking that, just that, there are people like myself that are low income. I picked up my Xbox One on the cheap at a pawn shop. Granted, it came with two games that they didn't use, and I was able to download it. But when you have these consoles, it, it's kind of putting the people that are struggling with a with the past gen. Granted, backwards compatibility does help with people like myself that might not might have the funds to get a newer newer-ish uh, console and they're able to at least play some of the library that they have sitting around the house mm -hmm. but if the technology as normal goes faster they're just going to be get, get left further further behind or we'll just be stuck with it for a while well see that's what i like about what sony had to say i mean again i'm not a big microsoft fan uh, but when Sony, like when they came out with the whole, we're releasing a new system, they've already made it stated that anything that runs on the PS Neo isn't going to be Neo exclusive. You're still going to be able to run it right. on the PS4. Anything that runs on the PS4 will also run on the Neo and vice versa. So even if they release something that's software listed for the PS Neo, it's going to be able to run on the PS4. Now, I'm not sure how basically Microsoft's doing it on their end, um, but basically it's kind of like a downgrade in resolution and that's fine because I don't have a 4K TV. I don't foresee me buying a 4K TV anytime in the near future. I might dick around with the Neo if I can raise some funds, to, not the Neo, but the uh, the VR system if I can raise some funds to do it, but I'm not going to sweat about that either because I remember VR in the early days and it made me sick as a dog. I think right now, even though VR might be the future of gaming in some way, but $600, $700 for a VR headset is still a little, in my eyes, expensive. But one of the things that I'm not sure about the P, um, the PS Sony side of things, but at least digitally, there um, the console, both Sony and Microsoft, have to be on par with a little bit of the Steam aspect in reference to the Steam 
offering the deep discounted games, if you understand mm-hmm. where I'm going at. Because there are a lot of games on, at least on the Xbox side, that are still $50, $60 that are like five, six years old. That Why are they still 60 bucks when I could go to GameStop, get them new for like $20, $30? Exactly. So. Sony's the same way. Um, and, and that's something that often bothers me. Now, granted, I've got like the PlayStation Plus. I must have gotten like completely drunk one night and bought like three years worth of it, so I'm covered for a while. But they usually give like some pretty good discounts on PlayStation Plus, so you can get like 40 to 50 percent off. You know, and that's sometimes you can even get games for free as long as you maintain your membership, which is like 50 dollars a year, and that's it. That's not bad. I mean, they give you at least two to three free games each month. Right. Same thing with the the Xbox side, but there's still those games that. Uh, the fans of my show that no, I'm not a big fan of Destiny. Um, oh yeah. It's it, it. I went to him like okay. I'm also just in case the new DLC is going to drop in September. I'm also see if I could get the game, um, the Taken King new at like GameStop, and they had a copy for ten dollars. Figured ten dollars. What the fucking hell? Um. Come to find out, it's only the base game. Yep. That's it. The, uh, to get the Taken King and the other DLC, it was either showing a QR, like typing in a code to get the DLC. I'm like, and he said, the thing is, those codes might be used and you won't be able to get the DLC. Yep. And I said, that kind of sucks. You're, when the fan comes in to pick up the Taken King, they're expecting the Taken King and all the DLC, the base game and everything else. So therefore, it's a rip. And he said, well, uh, we do have DLC in very small print on the, the price that says uh, just Destiny. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not spending $10 for a freaking game. So Activision and, and Bungie gets another $40 for the Taken King and another $40 for two other DLC. That's $50. Um, let's see. That's $60, oh, close to $60 right there. I could have gotten brand new, and I ain't doing that. No way. No way. No, it's like with my, I ain't paying. It's like with my son the other day, he saw that the base game for Mortal Kombat, like the latest one, what is it, X? Yeah. The latest one was on PlayStation Network for only 20 bucks. Now keep in mind, that's 20 bucks. It's not bad. And I'm like, yeah, well, we can pick it up. And then he's like, yeah, we need to get all the DLC too. And by the time I look at all the DLC, I'm like, well, there's another $40, $50. It's like I bought the game brand new. Well, you could wait for another... Um six seven months and get the game of the year edition or their game of the year edition for twenty dollars that includes all the dlc yeah and i i had to laugh because he was really pulling he knew how to pull me because he's like mama sasha it's got leather face mama sasha jason's in it (laughs) just stop kid (laughs) (laughs) but i did pick up dead island uh the remastered version and it's still as buggy and as they could have Put a little bit more. I can understand with like um, to use a comparison, um, Borderlands. Okay. In a, in a way, um, the first one was buggiest. The first game was buggy as hell, but the 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 developer knew it's like we understand this, and when we make the sequel, it's just going to be a little bit maybe about the same as. But we're going to fix a lot of bugs, but we're going to keep the bugs the fans enjoyed. But with Dead Island, instead of fixing a lot of the what would be the game-breaking bugs or the aspects to 
making the game a little bit better, they didn't do that. They It's like, oh, we're going to add slides in the pool. Really? You could have fixed a lot of the stuff that made the game really, really bad, and you didn't do that. Exactly. You could, and with this, I picked it up because it had the Dead Island uh, remastered, all the DLC, and Riptide and all the DLC. And the thing is, I've had friends, oh, you need to hide... Because I like looking at the subtitles, too. And the subtitles are still really small. And they're like, well, you need a high-def TV. I got a high-def TV now. Oh, you need a bigger high-def TV. Really? How big of a high-def TV do I need to increase that font size so I can read it and make this game better? You mean I need a 50-inch TV or 100-inch high-def TV that I can't afford in order to read something that they could have done in-game prior to everything? And it's just like, well, yeah, you need that five. I'm not spending ten grand on a TV or five grand on a TV. No, if you want to do that, though, fine. Like video games, like having like you used to have like on the old computer boxes with games must require a large screen TV, a Pentium four processor. <laughs> <laughs> like who's? Yeah, that was my initial argument with a lot of um, PC games. Like, well, look at all this, you know, requirements for this game on the back of the box that I need to run this game so it's of course I'm going to go to a console because I all I have to do is put in one disc and it's going to run I don't have to worry about the next game I might want to buy having to buy a whole new computer system just to run that game and that's what a lot of people are, are fighting for in reference to the consoles is that for those who are not completely computer savvy or are on a limited budget or don't have the funds every two or three years to upgrade the computer to play the latest and greatest game. So, I'm not knocking the PC Master Race, so, as they like to call themselves sometimes. But we're all gamers, that's why we're talking about games. Exactly. So, um, not to mention a lot of the games that are on the um, PS Sony side are also on the Microsoft side and also on the uh, PC side. So, that, that's always there. And I am looking forward to the new Borderlands. Um, see what's coming on with that and those companies. So, well, rumor how... is talking about Border Worlds, and I, I hope and I wish that someday they put out um, like a remastered version of the original Borderlands because that'd be sweet. I mean, that'd be nice to have on like a, yeah. a higher upgrade console, you know. The thing, the sad thing is, um, the the character that um, because they officially killed off the character that did the cars. Uh, you know the character I'm talking yeah, about? Kacharai. Um, they officially um, killed him off in the games. That's official. He's not going to make a comeback. Um, basically, what happened was, for the to let the fans in, I don't know if you knew, knew this or not, the reason why they killed him off is because between the Borderlands and the sequel, he had a severe stroke. Mm. And that's why he sounded different in the, in the second game. And between that game and the prequel and the DLC and the um, Telltale Games series, his health was still a, a little bit on the decline. So he wanted to... He said he has a deep love for the fans in the game and tell, you know everything in regards to Borderlands, just that his health is not there as it once was, and he wants to step back and retire. And I, personally, as a gamer and as a, a fan, I could respect that. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, 
But you got to figure, if they're remastering, they can go back into the original files, use the original audio clips, and just remaster it that way, clean it up, make it sound a little better, and hell, he'd get a paycheck for nothing to help him out. If anything, if that's what they want to do, they could work it into the storylines, like, uh, as a, um, kind of a, a, uh, best way to describe it, uh, how do I describe this, a, as a kind of an Easter egg. If they, like a talking billboard, catch a ride and have his voice there and still give him a couple of bucks on the yeah. side. So, that, that, that's always fun, and those guys have always put in the Easter eggs and fun little stuff for the fans to do and to play around with, so well, are they still I'm happy for that. Borderlands 3, or are they going to straight up call it Bo uh, Border Worlds, given what was revealed at the end of Borderlands 2? Um, I'm not sure. I would. Hopefully, both of us will know more as time goes goes on, and we get closer to hearing more coming out from the developers in re reference to that. Um, I'm expecting. Hopefully, it's. They might actually do both, like Borderlands Three, Border Worlds. Um, because somebody bought the uh, copyright for the name, and I think the web address as well. Well, you might have people, uh, I won't say like us, but you have a couple, might have a couple of people that are out there. If I buy Borderlands 3 or Border Worlds, and once the makers of the game decide on this particular title, and they do a Google search to see if that name's been taken, I'm going to make, I might spend a hundred bucks on this website for a year. But I'm going to get maybe ten grand, twenty grand for this title. Well, see, I think somebody actually from Gearbox bought the name, though. So, uh, well, then again, it, that's also happened with the corporations too. They, they, when it comes to uh, movies and movie, I know so more so as well. They'll, um, especially with like sequels. I'm sure you heard of this too. That they would, while the name's still up in there, they'll go buy all these variants of that particular dot com just so they could have that market and still have the fans guessing. Right. So it, That's a point. We'll, we'll, we'll see as time goes by, not to mention if they have um, web designers on hand, all they have to do is someone just types in Borderlands 3, it'll go straight to Border Worlds if it's Border Worlds or vice versa once everything is said and done and cemented and sewn. So, again, we'll see. We'll see. And the makers of Borderlands have always been, like I said, fan-friendly. Um, anything else you, before we move, kind of move on for a little bit that you want to bring up? Well... You are the guest on our show. Like E3, for example. Um, we, were, we were talking on that a little bit. Um, and I, I hate to say, not a whole lot of people have brought up a whole lot as to what's going on with the NX. And I, I keep hearing rumors... Yeah things of that nature, and from what I saw from videos that was actually at E3, everybody was running out on a damn Wii U, like the uh, Legend of Zelda stuff. It, it, the Legend of Zelda, from what I've heard, is going to be released on both the Wii U and the NX. So, and from what I've also been hearing, I'm not sure if you've been hearing the same things, that uh, attendance, both for ticket holders... And people, the um, actual major developers are lacking at E3. It's kind of going downhill, mm -hmm. um, meaning that uh, Nintendo, I don't know if you heard this, but Nintendo 
wasn't really there at E3 whatsoever. They pulled they pulled out. Uh, they wanted to do their own thing. Um, and the reason why Microsoft and Sony was kind of lackluster is because they tend to release a lot of their information on a yearly basis anyway. Then, therefore, their major reveals are kind of lackluster anywhere at E3. So eventually it might die. It might be quasi out the window. Not to mention, from what I heard, to have tickets, to buy tickets to the event as um, like you would for a con- atypical conventions, like over $900. Right. Just to, yeah. And so that it, I don't know if that's to weed out folks like us that are either podcasters or YouTubers that oh, a YouTuber or a small-time YouTuber that runs a gaming channel or releases news, they're not going to shell out nine grand plus hotel costs just to come to E3. So it's kind of leaving them in the lurch. But then again, when you have companies like Sony and Microsoft and a lot of these um, game developers live streaming, it kind of moots the point. So well, it's, we'll see. Well, it's weird because, like, I watch a lot of YouTubers, like, you know, that involve gaming, things of that nature – um, I know, you know, Wood from um, Beat'em Ups was able to go to E3. Um, I also know that, um, I think the Game Chasers, no, not the Game Chasers, uh, um, i trying to think who else went. Um, the Completionist, I know, went because there was a big deal with that because he got to talk with um, the guy who runs um, the Nintendo of America side, um, Philzami, whatever his name is, Philzami, something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, they had a big to do over that and they actually invited some YouTubers and paid their expense so I don't know if it's so much maybe it's just a decline in the industry or people are just being very cautious as to what they release or how they release the, the, the thing is from what I heard as well through um, the, CU, the CU podcast is that um, for the most part uh, you, you mentioned I'm not going to I have nothing against the completionist but when you have a major YouTuber YouTubers like The Completionist, PewDiePie, Markiplier, Angry Joe, um, MatPat, that are high-end, not just gaming YouTubers, but they're well-known. They have high counts, uh, subs counts, and they'll get hundreds of thousands of uh, viewers on a daily, monthly basis. Then they're going to bring them, pay them all the expenses to be there, yet someone like yourself is going to be left in the lurch because... You're that you're an unknown. Oh, you want to show up? Uh, tickets are nine hundred and fifty dollars a pop, and you have to pay for uh, hotel, food, transportation, so forth and so on. It kind of like, well, it sounds like you'd rather have the popular people come up to our show, to your show, and leave the smaller guys like myself out of the lurch. And I use guys as a loose yeah, term, so. Um, it, it it's kind of disheartening you know, to see that. It's like, granted, we have uh, you and I have Matt in our Matt Burns in our little pocket, so to speak. Nothing against Matt at no, all, uh, but um, you know, you kind of see it on the small scale when it comes to conventions, especially E3. Oh, okay. Um, it's like they push, they want their friends there, and they kind of push the smaller people that want to break into or do something bigger. And but still. Yeah, and it's like, I, I even have friends that were trying to get me, drag me out to, like, um, too many games up there in upstate PA. 
And I'm like, guys, it's $90 almost a freaking day just to go up there, you know? And if I'm going to go up there and, you know, travel, you know, two, three hours to get upstate, I'm going to go and enjoy myself. And $90 a day, I, I just can't really justify that. And it, that's what I've had a few friends mention to me in reference to awesome cons. Like, you could have stayed there all weekend. I'm like, wait a minute, I work Sundays. Yeah. And I would have to take that day off. That that would have been no problem for me, but I have to stay in D.C. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday so I could catch the train back because I am nowhere near a metro station to go there easily all three days. And I'm not spending close to $250 a night at a hotel that's close to $700, $800 just on hotel costs. I'm not doing that. No. It, it, I make whatever little money I'm making right now is going out to bare bones basics and I'm boosting up my podcast piecemeal and granted that, but I need the funds later on to, so I could do other stuff with, uh, later down the road, you know, no. And it kind of hurts. It, kinda, it literally does hurt. With me, I mean, I, I'm kind of in a similar situation. Like right now, I'm on employment. Um, that'll last until about October. I do make some money off the shirts that I sell online and then some, like, minor, like, ad revenue shit that I get. But, I mean, that's not a whole hell of a lot to live on. I mean, granted, I had friends who were like, yeah, we can pay, you can crash, and I'm like, you know, I don't feel comfortable with that. You know what I mean? To me, it's like, if I go up, I want to be able to pay my own way, and if I get tired of something, I don't want to have to, you know, say, hey, you know, leave on somebody else's dime. I want to be able to leave on my own terms. Uh, I, there's a few things where that, that could be personally acceptable. Like, uh, I have family in out on Long Island, and before um, those earlier early 2000s, I had the opportunity to go to a uh, an Apple event in New York City, and come to find out, three not even three weeks prior to the event, I could have stayed with my aunt, and which meant no hotel. All I had to do was pay for a train ticket there, uh, whatever the metro tickets were there. So. I, it would have been not even $500 grand total. And I find out no more than a week prior, a little bit more than a week prior. I didn't even buy the train ticket yet. My aunt came down with cancer. She had cancer. So I'm like, I, I, I can't, you know. Granted, she would have welcomed me with open arms and let me stay there. I just can't, you know. I want her to get well. You know, I don't want to burden her with me being this kind of... Um, Bagabond staying there and just traveling to, into the city and back. And yet, no, I can't do that to her. You know, it just can't. But uh, God bless her soul. She she won the first round of cancer, lost the second. So well, then next year we'll um, have to get you up to Metal Killing Cancer so you can promote some stuff up there. I mean, that was a great festival last weekend. So um, I'll send you some information out on that. They're still accepting funds. They donate to like local hospitals for cancer charities and whatnot. So. And it, it's it, it's one of those things. It's like, but I'm sure if I went to another major event in New York City, my uncle would probably let me crash on his couch for a few days. But that's something not something I really want to do because they're I'm I'm a night owl. They're not. They're more so. We're gonna go to bed at seven o'clock and get up at three in the morning. I'm going to bed at three in the morning and getting up at noon. <laughs> type of <laughs> so it. It's like no, uh, I'm up all night. I'll be wandering around someplace, and now like this can't this can't happen. But 
and I don't want to burden them or anything like that or burden my cousin. Exactly. So. And I, I feel the same way. I mean, it's, it's nice that people offer me stuff like that. But to me, it's like I don't want to inconvenience them. And then not only that, but like if something comes up and I'm there with somebody and I need to leave, I don't want to inconvenience that person because of that. You know what I mean? Right. You know, it, it's just complicated. Yeah, but um, to kind of move things along, uh, one of the things I want to talk about is that you you were excited for it. I, I was kind of enthused about it, and that's the Voltron remix. Uh, I won't say remix, but the reboot on Netflix by DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. You seemed uh, very... I was very impressed and um, that it's going to come out wrong that it didn't ruin my childhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the thing of it is, is is that with the original Voltron, I mean, granted, we, we have some years on it because we remember our younger selves watching it, but watching the original one now, unless you're watching, like, Go Lion with subtitles... Um, the original one, it's so butchered, it's so chopped up, there's not really a cohesive plot to it, if you're really sitting down and watching it that way. I mean, you've got characters who die and then suddenly come back, and it, it's it's just weird. Um, you know, like Sven, for example, um, he leaves and then comes back, whereas in Goliath, he's killed off, and the guy comes back. It's it's just a whole, whole, whole big old mess. Uh, and that's that's something that you know I kind of like with this one because it's got a very cohesive plot. It did update some things. I can't stand um, Corin. He he's driving me. Is it Corin? Is the butler's name Corin? I can't remember exactly. Something like that. Like I think I told you, it reminds me of um, Airbender. Yeah. He kind of yeah. This a lot. We I'm I'm kind of a fan of the Airbender series, both of them. The uh, last Airbender and the one that came out like two, three years ago, something like that, that kind of took place many years mm-hmm. after the Avatar: The Last Airbender. Um, the, so the art style is very the same, and it kind of mirrored Airbender yeah. a little bit, having the butler kind of that quirky little type of character that kind of just pops and. Atypical anime style that he's got to be over exaggerated, and the thing is, uh, one of the things that I was happy with is that uh, I'm sure you were. I was kind of, I'm, it, you're the kind of person that it will make an easy question to, but what I was happy with, I'm sure you're happier with, was yes. pitch. Um, my question is that is because I'm taking a little bit of a um. Granted, I'm a little bit biased. I'm going to say that. So I'll ask you this. Hopefully, you'll clear it up. What is the difference between someone... I think uh, a lot of people with this, maybe yourself included, use the term transgender as more of an umbrella term. Because... uh, Let me explain. Um, Pitch seems more of... uh, To use a pop culture reference, more along the lines of a... Mrs. Doubtfire than a someone who might be transgender. Well, see, I wouldn't even go Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, I know a lot of people have, are relating it to Mulan, like the legend and story of Mulan a little bit, where she had to pretend to be a soldier, things of that nature. And to me, this is where my argument comes into play, because maybe I view things with a right, wider spectrum having the background that I have. Um, when I see Pidge... Um, being introduced you know, as a male and then slowly being, spoiler alert, revealed as female... Um, that basically, to me, it depends on how you point it, because they continue to refer to the character as Pitch. Throughout the show, they still continue to refer to her as him and he, even after the whole reveal is brought up. 
and to me, there is no point where Pidge says, stop, refer to me as Katie, stop, use the appropriate pronouns and refer to me as a woman, things of that nature. It never goes beyond that. Not only that, but when you watch flashbacks of Pidge, and I get growing up in a military family, and you know, your parents view things a certain way. Um, but she was always very interested in what was going on with her brother and her father. So she had, you know, very male role models growing up. And so as a result, granted, yes, they felt a woman should be a woman, and that's why she was all the time running around in those flowery, cute dresses. But when her, you know, father left and disappeared, you'll notice that her clothing style changed, her attitude changed, because this was her coming out, her becoming him, becoming Pitch. And that's why I kind of fall with the whole concept of her, you know, actually him, in my opinion, being transgender. Because I think as I the think show progresses that she there may be a big reveal where, you know, somebody calls him Katie and he's like, no, I don't identify that way anymore. And that would be awesome, especially given the voice actress being a strong supporter of the LGBTQ community and the fact that she's definitely, you know, a big supporter of transgender rights. So I would be – hopefully that will happen, but I don't know. I might be proven wrong. I'll say it's it, – the reason why I kind of liked it, it, it didn't seem – the, that character reveal didn't seem forced, no. if you can understand. Uh, it seemed natural. Um, granted, I'm coming from, please, again, for those who are listening, uh, a stereotypical view of transgender. So that's why I, I would like you to clear whatever I have or misconceptions, please feel free to clear them up. It seems, unless they are revealed in like season two, that she identifies more so being a, a male aspect or what as per instead of the Mulan or the Mrs. Doubtfire that I have to do this to maintain my career in the military so forth and so on it, until then it, it's it's a coin flip as to what's going to exactly. happen and, and that's something that worried um, me because here it is I want to say what episode six is when you had like the full reveal to the whole team but even after episode six or seven, they still referred, you know, to, I'm just going to say Katie as Pidge. And it was accepted. They still referred to Pidge as him, he, etc. Even though it was revealed that Pidge was born a woman. So to me, unless there's some sort of argument that she says, hey, look, call me Katie. Use female pronouns. Or some sort of big reveal where, you know, you got Princess, what was her name again? The princess of the show, World. Yeah. Something like that. Walking around in ball gowns when she's not in her battle outfit, why isn't Pidge? You know, because again, flashbacks would lead you to believe that's how she would identify. Again, granted, I'm more the stereo. I'll say the stereotypical view because I'm trying to rep- have more of an education into the community that is transgender. It until, granted, it's like I said, it's natural. It's not forced it, until we get that yeah. reveal uh, as to I. I identify this, but my viewpoint is that um, to kind of use you as an example too. I don't. I know you as Sasha. I know. I know you by your feminine uh, identification. I could easily refer to you as Sasha, she, her, so forth and so on. Um, they coming from, when you look at it like that, they know pitch as him as pitch. It's not like they knew pitch as for like three four five ten years as katie now they got to refer to 
Katie as Pitch and as the male male identifiers, where it's easier for them to identify Katie as and Pitch. And that's where it gets sticky, because, I mean, if it was just a disguise and just a way for her to sneak into basically the military before becoming part of Voltron Force, after everything went completely awry with the military and the big reveal, why not just be out and open with who you are? And that's what kind of bothers me, because if she identifies as female, then why isn't she objecting to this? But if he identifies as male, then that's why there is an objection. I'm not, again, I'm not object, uh, objecting to it. it um, it's just that we got to, I need more information. It's just trying to apply some stereo, I'm using it lightly. I hope oh, no, no, those who are listening I, I, yourself I understand. It's it's that stereotypical of trying to come in from someone like myself as to try to apply what I know into a situation that I completely don't understand. Well, it's so, like with Mulan, for example. When she got exposed, she became she. You get what I'm saying? Same way with Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. When Mrs. Doubtfire got exposed, oh, well, that's so-and-so. I can't even remember the character's name. It wasn't the identity persisted where it was still Mrs. Doubtfire. Granted, yes, Mrs. Doubtfire is a little bit different because she still had that kids show at the end of that. Um, but the kicker of it is, is, is that in public that you know she still, you know, he was still identified as a man. And that um, granted, um, what there has been over, I'll say, the, over the past 20, 30 years, many. I'll go with transgender because it seems more... I think you went with this on one of your most recent uh, uh, live little clips that you've been doing on Facebook. Um, someone such as yourself 20 years ago wasn't re referred to as transgender. It was more of a harsher term as to um, transvestite, uh, many others. But um, to kind of go into that a little bit now, what is the difference between someone, uh, kind of explain to me, because that's the question that I had in my mind, what is the difference between going with the basis of Mrs. Doubtfire, uh, someone like that who granted the word, uh, to lack of a better word, uh, who dresses as drag. Yes. See, for the drag sake is of, more of a performance art, is more... Like, at the end of the day, that's not who they are. Once, basically, their home, like, let's say their name is Bill, and their stage name is Star, at the end of the day, once that wig and that makeup comes off, it's Bill again. You know, Bill may even have a wife and a bunch of kids, because, believe it or not, a lot of drag performers that are out there aren't gay. You know, and I think that's what a lot of people have a hard time understanding. There's a lot of female impersonators that go home to their wives and kids after they're done being Dolly Parton for the day. And a lot of people don't understand that. And that's why that drag connotation always gets thrown in. And granted, yes, a lot of drag performers may fall underneath the LGBTQ spectrum, but it doesn't mean that they're all that wet. It's a performance art. Granted, you're going to see a lot of drag performances and a lot of female impersonators in places with a heavy LGBTQ you know, community. But if you're going to get paid 50 or $60 to go on stage and wear a crazy wig, Saying uh, I believe in love, <laughs> so hey, there's I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's like hey, if you sound like Cher or Dolly Parton and you're getting fifty, sixty, a hundred dollars a pop, you know, bless your heart, go at go at it. But um, 
But that's the difference. Like, drag is more of a performance art. It'd be like, you know, you're playing a part. You're, this is not how you identify. Transgender is somebody, and I always hate the term born in the wrong body. I'm always in the philosophy. I was born in the wrong body for the right reasons. Uh, um, but, you know, you don't identify with the gender that you were assigned with. You, like my instance, I always jokingly say, I, I'm a woman that just so happened was born with a penis. It happens. Get over it. <laughs> you know? And that's the easiest way I can define it, you know? I, mean, I love it when people say to me, oh, well, you've got guy's parts. I'm like, no, they're my parts, so they're not guy parts. <laughs> hey. As a general, I'm going to try to keep this as general as possible because right now we're part of the show that's kind of like transgender for more complete morons. And morons are referring to myself and probably who is curious and wants to have the stupid questions answered by someone who knows. Um, the aspect, I think personally, uh, the more common transgender personality that people might recognize is the male to female transgender um, again I'm probably using the wrong person for this kind of like RuPaul right, right. but RuPaul's uh, because not he's transgender. more uh, he's a gay drag uh, because he's uh, because he the reason why I brought him up is because he's the most recognized yeah, person mm-hmm. doing what he doing what he does um Again, you brought Laverna up the, Cox would have been uh, a Miss Kinnatch. Laverna Who? Cox from Orange is the New Black. She would have been a good example. Uh, I, I have that uh, show in my uh, list. I have not watched, watched that yet. I'm a little so disappointed that, I, that she is playing Dr. Frankenfurter, who is not a transgender character, but that's neither here nor there. One of the things that gets me, it's like I, I brought it up with... Um, the Voltron is that the that like in Voltron it was a natural aspect of things uh, what gets me at I don't uh, it's coming out the wrong way so please forgive is the forced aspect of uh, some in the I don't want to say some the bad apples in the transgender community that oh this character now has to be transgender or this character has to be now this religion or the, the whole SJW yes. type of ordeal. Oh, this, you know, that... Like, uh... What happened Elsa to... from Frozen now has to have a lesbian lover or Captain America and the Winter Soldiers should be a gay couple. Yeah. That annoys me. I, I hate that. It, it's it's like forcing stuff down somebody's throat. You're ignoring existing continuity. Create a new character. Create something new. And that's always yeah. been my philosophy. I, I... I know it, from on my part, it's being almost that comic geek a little bit. It's like, wait a minute, you're like you said, you're forcing something down somebody's throat. You're ignoring everything else. You're forcing something down somebody's throat. Create, create a character in there. There, um, my example is there's a character, more so in the Wildstorm universe. I think it is. Um, it's um, connected with DC. Is the ca- character Captain? I think his name's Captain Midnight. He was part of the, uh, uh, shit. I, I remembered it the, a couple of nights ago while I was working. Um, he, basically he was a, coming from me, it's, it sounds wrong. He was a, in essence, homosexual. He was gay. He had a gay partner. They were superheroes. They were part of a, uh, a team in reference to the alternate universe. Right. And 
they were in essence a gay couple and that's their age and they there was a part of the storyline where the aspect of one of their leader who was a female they that's the storyline was there were um century babies okay. um they were born like at 1900 they lived for 100 uh, her character would live for 100 years and die at a at right at the top of the century as soon as year 2000 hit she passed away and be in essence reborn and live for another 100 year at like age 23 she would stop literally stop aging but die at 100 Ooh. years old uh, so they went on a search to find once she passed away at year 2000 she they went out to find this cat, this child again, or this reincarnated person again, and they raised her as their own child, because she was this again a superhero type of character. But it's progress for the LGBTQ community. It's a, it's it's a positive thing, not and it was natural. It wasn't something okay. Let's force Superman to be transgender now. And granted, it's coming out the wrong way, but. Right, it's it hurts more than it helps. Exactly, and and that's why like I applaud when somebody comes up with something new, um, and that that's great. Like there's a new comic out, I'm trying to think of the name of it that actually does have a transgender lead, and I'm like, oh, well, this is going to be interesting. It's it's different, um, and that's what you should do. You should create something new and established. Um, granted, I know a lot of people throw a fit about like, for example. You know, whitewashing characters or changing races of characters. I'm like, you know what? Depending on the, the actor who's portraying it, I'm all for, you know, as I always joke and say, a black Spider-Man, because um, that's just me. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, a lot of times that type of thing doesn't matter. But when you're talking about race or religious background, that may not change like a character trait or anything of that nature. But when you take somebody who their sexuality and their gender and kind of mix it up, then that can kind of muddy the waters a bit. Uh, I think we might have touched on some of the aspects, but what are what are the cup, um, common misconceptions of um, being transgender well, that at least you've run into? A lot of people, and this is something that kind of irks me, and a lot of people who've watched the video I posted today will understand, but it drives me nuts when people will say something like, for example, I, I was having a little bit of a Twitter debate uh, with some gaming fandom the other day. And um, one of them had made mention about, oh, you're looking at this tranny that makes you gay. And I'm like, number one, it all depends on your own sexuality. I said somebody who's a trans, you know, transgender, not a tranny because that's an inappropriate term, but somebody who's transgender, they identify as female. And if you're a hetero, cis, heterosexual cisgender male and you're attracted to her, it doesn't necessarily make you gay because that person identifies as female. And granted, that really fucks with people's head and it drives me up the wall. And then I always love it when it's automatically assumed that, you know, granted, I always tell everybody, hey, I'm straight up pan. You know, I'm all about the person. I don't care about looks. I don't care about gender. If you treat me nice, we can get along just fine. Um, but a lot of people automatically assume that, hey, you know, I date exclusively guys. Or, hey, you have kids. You date exclusively women. There's so many stereotypes that fall into it. You know, we'll... Or, you know, were you abused as a child? My joke has always been who wasn't, you know, but doesn't necessarily make you transgender. And people always try to go, well, what was that set you off? And it's like, hey, I'm born this way. It's not something that just suddenly popped into my head going, ooh, I like short skirts. 
you know, and I think that's where a lot of the stereotypes come in. And then on top of that, there's a lot of confusion with the difference like you had brought up with drag and being transgender and being a cross-dresser. There's a lot of, there's like three different folds right there. Like I said, drag is basically a performance art. Cross-dressing is just a fetish. It's not something that you do all the time. It's not how you identify. It's something you enjoy to do on occasion, but it's not how you identify. You don't change your name or your lifestyle. And being transgender, that's just who you are, and you're born with that. You, like, I, I hate to use the terminology, but you were born in the wrong body, and you're just going through whatever steps you need to to correct that. And for a, a little bit of clarification, because um, it seems the most popular right now, the reference to initials is the LGBTQ aspect. Uh, a lot of the people ask now. I'm sure there's a whole cornucopia of other initials past Q, um, but to kind of ask uh, for the people, like I did again a couple of weeks, I think it was like last week, uh, what does the Q stand for? Because Well, Q, and this is the thing, I think a lot of people have a hard time with it because, you know, everybody kind of smacks down on people for using the word gay out of contact. You know, about going like, this is gay, this is da-da-da-da-da. I hate it as well as anybody else, but it actually stands for the word queer. And a lot of people are like, whoa, isn't that an offensive word? Yes and no. It's all about context and how it's used. Like, if I'm talking about the queer community, that basically means, you know, hey, anything that falls outside of your lesbian, your gay, your bisexual, and your transgendered people. So you've got your agendered people, you have intersex, gender fluid, you know, polyamorous, pansexual. I mean, there's a laundry list because otherwise, you know, we are going to have a huge an acronym just for our community. Um, technically, right now it runs LGBTQI because they want to say that intersex is kind of separate and then A for allies. Um, I kind of like the allies aspect. And I'm like, you know, kind of like, inter you know, lumping everything else into the Q because everything else outside of your, how can I put it best, the sexual binary that everybody likes to put everybody on. I, I think I told you that. It's like when you said Q can refer to queer or That's questioning, it. I'm like, well, I think it's like I'm one of the old school people from, you know, who grew up primarily in the 80s that calling somebody queer was uh, offensive. Um, I think even, like you said, even to this day, calling somebody, even though, I'm going to say South Park kind of addressed calling somebody gay in reference to the, how it can be the spectrum, at least identifying the spectrum of the word gay. Um, kind of taking their own little take for it, but that's with South Park trying to putting things in light and doing what they do right. best. But, um, well, see, what the thing, the thing is, is if you're using the word queer, granted, yes, if you look it up in the dictionary, it does describe it as strange or weird or different. Um, if you're using that in that con connotation in a negative way to basically describe someone, you know, that's ha-ha funny, not ha-ha queer, um, that's wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but if you're using it to define something, oh, well, look at this oddly shaped pencil isn't that queer that's different because you're using the true definition now if you're calling somebody a queer or using it in a negative connotation then of course that's when things get kind of muddy and that's when it's not appropriate 
Um, and I, I always like the joke people when it comes to certain words like you know like queer and gay. I always make the reference of yo well, that's our word. And I, then I go off to somebody I know and yo, go, what's up, my tranny? And people die laughing. <laughs> but I'm just like, hey, you know, maybe you should look at it kind of like in that aspect. That's kind of like our word. And unless you're using it to define us but not in a hateful way, then it's fine. Yeah. Um, I said I know uh, it used to be um, – I don't know. You might – it's going to come out wrong. It's just that – I don't know if you might know the history of it. When did the aspect of transgender come into play in reference to... Because, um, like I said, for a while, I'm old school. Referring to someone such as yourself was not so much transgender. It was transvestite or tranny. Right. Which, granted, it is, has its own negative concepts, or at least it's a harsher term um, for for the that type of person or what they do. But when did do you happen to know when it went from like transvestite to transgender? Well, that's the thing with it, um, with uh, tranny and transvestite. A lot of us basically view that from the aspect of like pornography, and this is something I kind of touched on on my video today. So if you haven't watched, definitely it's on my Facebook and it's on my YouTube. But the thing of it is, is, is that tranny, transvestite, a lot of that comes from sex workers. Now, don't get me wrong. I have nothing against sex workers. Nothing. You know, I even know a few of them, you know, which is no problem. That's their lifestyle. We all have our own connotations. It's just not for me. But it's kind of like I'm trying to think of the best way to describe us, uh, to describe the situation um, with Alice in Wonderland. You know, all of us in Wonderland are mad. So you're in Wonderland, you must be mad too. That's not how it works, you know. Um, that's, I think, where a lot of people get that basically misconnotation from. They're like, oh, well, transgender and transvestite people, they're like transgender people, so we can lump them all into one sack. And it's not that way. And a lot of us do see it as a negative connotation because it comes from the porn industry. It comes from the sex industry. You know, it'd be just because most prostitutes are human and you're a human being being does that mean you're you know a prostitute no you know and that's basically i think where things get muddied um it was like transgender itself um you know i may be a little muddied on this but i think it was around like 1965 kind of like around the 1970s where that word basically started getting used in like a psychological kind of situation granted it wasn't the same kind of definition as it is now but that was the medical more clinical term for it Okay, and to go on a previous point, the the comic series that uh, that had the uh, gay characters in it was uh, Authority. Uh, it's, it was I don't know if the book is still printed, but uh, it's the Wildstorm universe, and it, the comic series is Authority. Um, so if uh, anybody out there wants to check it out, it's a good read. It's a it's a darker comic book, meaning it's not like a uh, the Spider-Man or the um, or a Superman or even a Batman. It's a little bit darker that because they use foul language and you know it's more of an adult themed comic as per more rated R where Batman might be PG-13. So it, it is a very good comic. I just wanted to get my facts straight out for those who are listening. So um, especially with some of the scandals that have been uh, 
roaming around YouTube and all that saying, oh, this is not source or that person's not sourcing their material. I just want to at least get my facts straight. So, yeah, and uh, I wouldn't even worry about sources. I mean, let's put it this way. The people who are going to give you a hard time about sources are the trolls. And let's be honest, like, you, you have the Internet. You have the power to look this information up. Chris has given you, has given you enough information to find it. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, the, again, the, uh, as much as the Internet take, loves to take things and run things wild and do things great, um, it has a tendency to mix up its in information, and uh, I think part of uh, it's a good segue into it is that whole aspect of the whole, which was a big deal a little more than a month ago, probably still is a big deal, but we had a lot of things over the past couple of weeks, including the tragedy that happened in Orlando, um, it was the whole aspect of the restroom issue with uh, transgender. Um, I'm, I'm going to say this. I don't, if they, if you want to pee with me, fine, pee with me. Um, but the aspect of that, I can understand where some parents are coming from. Um, granted, some of the articles are misleading, and I'll say that with the internet, they're very misleading. They either confuse the information that's out there or mix up the information out there. I'm sure you could understand oh, yeah. that. Or, uh, but some. I think one, I don't know if you've seen the post, one father said, I can understand uh, with his daughter, he said, I can understand the aspect of gun violence, um, drunken driving, I'm prepared for like drunk drivers, um, drug use, guns, uh, but I'm not prepared. I worry for my daughter because this whole aspect is a new thing of having someone such as yourself going into the same bathroom as her, or I'll say it like this: the bad apple ruining the bunch. Well, this is what I think that. is kind of hilarious because everybody throws up the whole issue about men and women's bathrooms. Do you know why we have men and women's bathrooms? No. Explain. Well, that code didn't get started until women actually started the workforce back in the day. And granted, our whole view has changed on women, um, but back in the day, women were considered the inferior of the species, the ones that needed to be doted over and protected. So when they entered the workforce, they decided to give them separate bathrooms to keep them segregated from the more mature workers as to not to distract the workers from their work. So that's why you have two different restrooms. It was because of the whole change and the biasness of the workplace. It wasn't because, you know, for noble reasons, because that in the end of the day, men felt that women were inferior and that men, emphasis on that men couldn't help themselves. This was the aspect from back in the day, and yet it's something that we hold dear. Now, the reason why we still continue to hold dear to it is because of weird, archaic plumbing codes. Don't know why. You know, they, they say for every so many people working a workplace, you got to have so many stalls for a woman. But it's awfully funny because when you look there and you actually count men's room versus women room, men have more receptacles, more stalls, more urinals, more toilets than a women's room would ever have. And that's why we have two separate restrooms because of plumbing codes and a very outdated sexist belief that, hey, 
women are just going to distract men from doing their work, and you know they're gentle and more delicate. They need their own resting space. Again, um, this is going to come a little bit uh, stereotypical, but um, I was a little bit happy with with uh, Awesome Con. They had gender gender neutral bathrooms for those. Um, it came across for those like yourself who. Go on. Um, I'm just pouring a Pepsi. Don't mind me. Uh, oh, it's all right. Um, it's meaning uh, was it was open for everybody. It wasn't gender specific to male or female. Um, but what I saw the restrooms primarily used for was parents with single parents with children. That it seemed like they felt more comfortable meeting a a father there with their younger daughter. They were able to go into that restroom and keep an eye on their daughter without having to bring that daughter into a men, men's room. Granted, I'm, I'm being stereotypical, but it's I've seen both types of parents being able to use that bathroom comfortably and exactly. safely. And uh, and I didn't see any fist fights or anything in regards to uh, like a mom going there with her uh, four-year-old son and the father going there with her his four-year-old daughter going in there. It... it it kind of eased. It was treated more so like a family bathroom than a gender-neutral bathroom, if you can understand that. Right. So it, if that, I would say this: if that helps a lot of the psychology out there, instead of claiming a, a men's room or a woman's room, but claiming it more so a family bathroom, if that helps the psychol the psychology of it all, then do that but it was just take a little while for everybody to get used to it but i'm sure there'll be somebody somewhere pissed right. about it and here's the thing and this is something that i found interesting you know i'll be honest granted i haven't like i didn't come out until like full time till at least i want to say maybe three four years ago before then it was something that, you know, I tried to live the life I was quote-unquote supposed to by my domineering father back in the day, but when his ass wasn't home, I identified however the fuck I wanted to. And the kicker is, is I've been doing this for a while. I've gone to many places in public, and I never had an issue. I would go into the ladies' room, do my business, and leave. Because at the end of the day, I'm there to pee, maybe touch up my makeup, maybe well, hopefully wash my hands, and leave. You know, the people who are the problems are the people who are in there to do more than that. And that's what I find so funny because everybody's throwing a shit fit about perverts in the women. But here's a statistical fact. I mean, most of the people that are attacked, that are raped by an adult that are children, are male, that are using the men's room. And I always joke with everybody. I'm like, okay, so when are we going to start closing down churches, after-school events, athletic programs, and Cub Scouts? You know, and everybody kind of gets pissed at me for saying that, but the reality of it is, is, is you know, when somebody's assaulted like that, um, it's either by somebody you know, you know, up front, and nine times out of ten, it's somebody who identifies as male. Granted, yes, it's a terrible thing, but statistics show that. Um, and most of the people who are, you know, falls underneath the category of rapist or a pedophile, most do fall underneath the male cis hetero stereotype. Yeah, um, so I just wanted to, what is the, 
I know I said misconceptions, myths. Uh, what are what is the the hardships of being transgender? Transgender um, that are, that you've come across. Well, you got to understand. There's two different aspects to this. You've got the younger generation who is getting to identify a lot sooner. I'm glad to see that. You know, I don't know what issues that they have because unlike when you and I were kids, we had a lot of bullying in schools. We had a lot of people getting picked on, a lot of people getting beat up, a lot of fights. You know, granted nobody got killed, but we had a lot of that stuff going on. Um, granted, flash forward a little bit, you've had things like Columbine and things of that nature, which kind of put an nip on the bullying to a degree. Um, my eldest son, he gets bullied all the time, but that's because he's 10 and looks like he's 5. <laughs> so that happens. Um, but the kicker of it is, is is that, you know, it's a different landscape for, as I always jokingly say, for us old heads who didn't have something to latch on back in the day to say that we're transgender and then had to come out later in our lives than somebody who's younger who's trying to identify with that. The only thing I worry about for the younger generation is is that I see people flock on like a uh, young lady, young girl who's only like eight or nine who recently uh, put up the transgender house by that peace house beside the Westboro church to kind of piss them off. And everybody was throwing a fit because, oh, she's eight years old. Oh, you're forcing those morals on the, your daughter. And I'm like, you know, when I was a kid, I could tell the difference between boys' toys and girls' toys. So don't try to judge somebody who's eight trying to say that they don't understand gender and how gender works. Uh, and I think that's what the younger generation has to strive with, to say, hey, yeah, we're younger. We're able to express ourselves sooner, so we're not in our 30s or our 40s coming out and having all these issues. And I think that's where I come in is I'm part of the older generation that's been around a while and had to come out later. And I've had friends leave me. I've had family walk out on me, it's it sucks. Um, and that hits home, you know, and granted, I always try to look at it with a high grain, you know, uh, uh, you know, my head held high saying, okay, well, maybe those people weren't friends and family all along if they walked out. For me, I think that's the hardest toll. And then with all this turmoil that's going on in the world, you know, I think it affects both us and the younger generation because you've got the people who you know, I want to say about maybe three or four years ago, who wouldn't give me a trouble at the restroom now getting in my face and throwing a fit. And, you know, with everything that happened in Orlando, it's, and it's an added worry, you know. So, yes, there's a lot of complications, be it with family, with friends, going out in public. But as I always tell everybody, living in fear doesn't fix anything. I think you're, you're right that nowadays the younger generation or um, even someone from our generation – uh, who might be coming out it's easier nowadays to come out because with the internet we there's so many support groups online chat so forth and so on the I think the a little bit of the downside is the confusion the um, the prejudice the like you said the the pushing away but the there's also the downside with um, again the for everyone like yourself that's putting out a positive message with uh, transgender and the LGBTQ um, and putting out the right message. There are people that are in a similar boat that are might be putting out a worse message, if you can understand that. Saying instead of 
having people be more open or be more welcoming of the transgender movement or the LGBTQ movement, they're like, don't ask questions. You're not supposed to ask questions. Whatever questions you ask, you're either sexist, racist, or whatever. No, it, it, we're supposed to be like w what you and I are having right now. It's an open discussion, uh, trying to um, kind of minimize that. All right, I got stupid questions. Uh, I have somebody right here in front of me that's transgender. I'm going to ask some of the stupid questions that I might have, in the, or at least some of the common questions, and that's always a good thing. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, when it comes straight down to it, I mean, it, I think the older generation, even though we've got all these advancements now, are having a harder time because you got to understand, like prior to me, you know, coming out, prior to you even meeting me. I, how can I put it best? I had a shell over all of this. I lived a completely different life. And I think a lot of people that I knew were kind of hurt because they felt I was lying to them. And in reality, I was only trying to express what society wanted me to be. But after you get to a point where you're like, hey, I've been divorced, I've survived cancer, you know, it's time to meet me you know I almost died I'm not living my own life and that's when I kind of decided that because like I explained to my son one day cause he's like well you know he's like I love you no matter what you're still mama Sasha regardless if you're in pants or a skirt and he's like but what brought this on and I explained it to him he's like well that makes sense he's like you should only be, be you you know because what's the point in having a sad mama Sasha when I can have a happy one I think that's a lot of kids hey if I have a uh happy mom or happy dad or whatever the family dynamic is today, um, I might get something out of it. <laughs> but uh, I, I see that with a lot of, like, with a lot of folks that are have kids. It's like, the kid's being nice. Okay, what do you want? <laughs> but it's that, that aspect of a parent being a parent and knowing their kids. But in, um, I have a lot of friends who... Uh, who somewhere in their life is, I want to say, not transgender, but they're part of the LGBTQ category. Um, I think uh, my best buddy, his son, is gay. Uh, his, my other buddy, I think his brother might be gay, and uh, so forth and so on. And it, it's, I have no problem with that. It's just a matter of, yeah, I have questions. I still have some questions in my head that... I want to ask, but they're totally too wrong for the show. <laughs> well, if you can understand that. that. Uh, and hell, like I uh, tell everybody on like my show, like the daily, the daily darkness that I do. And I think it's funny because everybody's giving me hell about. Well, you're not just reviewing horror movies on this. You're talking about you, and I'm like, well, let's see. I'm Sasha, the Princess of Darkness. This is my blog. Daily darkness makes sense. Because I. It's like I want to see out. There's part of me that wants to establish a line of where I don't want to cross that might be either offensive to you or to someone who uh, is like yourself. And it's like, why did he ask that stupid well, question? Like, that's you can offensive. Ask me after the so, show, and like I was telling people the other day, like to, on today's show, I said basically, like, hey, tomorrow I'm going to be talking about my tits and what's in my pants. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, part of it, it what, um. As long as you're, like I tell a lot of my guests that are on the show, 
if they don't want to ask you a question, answer a question, they could tell me I don't want to answer this because it's it's an open okay. discussion, and and there even though a lot of people would think that what I'm doing now is a little bit taboo, but it's still a relevant topic because uh, there are a percentage of uh, geeks out there, um, if you want to refer to yourself as a yes. geek as well, who are accomplished um, ho uh, homosexuality, which includes the you know LGBT com community, everybody. It, if you're a fan of horror movies, uh, comics, sports, you're a geek, you know. In but the confusion is, I think what in my I I perceive myself as somewhat logical for someone seeing someone such as yourself. I'm not including you in a way, but as someone in your position that is transgender mm -hmm. or goes through the completion of crossing from male to female, it, for me, seeing uh, the aspect of, I can't, I can't explain why, but to kind of understand that hey, this person, person A, was once a man, now they're female, and because they might identify or inside they might feel, I hope I'm wording this right, they might feel that they're uh, a woman trapped in a man's right. body, they, they become fully female, and they proceed to date, I'm still here, go on, or have relations with, with men, that to my, my head is like, okay, that, makes sense in my head. What my little head confu is confused is, okay, now they're dating. It's not, I'm not being sexist. It's like my head doesn't want, refuses to wrap around that concept of, okay, this person went from male to female, now is dating females. And that's kind of my mental confusion, just doesn't want to wrap around well, that, that bus. This is the thing with me, and it's always been kind of complicated because I'm going to talk frankly here. Like, Go ahead. My, ahead. my father, uh, simply put, was a piece of shit. <laughs> I mean, he was the type of guy, you know that opening scene in Bad Santa where he's sitting there kind of giving you the story of his life and how his father would rather hit you on the back of the head than give you a Christmas present? Yeah, that was my dad. Um, he was military, so, I mean, I've got nothing wrong with the military. I even tried it a bit for myself, but, you know, usually when I see somebody in a uniform or an authority figure, I immediately cringe because that's what I was brought up with. Um, you know, I couldn't identify how I wanted to identify. Even just being in the movies and arts and things of that nature when I was growing up, I was always ridiculed. I was always called, forgive my French, faggot queer, gay, what have you, growing up, um, because I didn't like sports, I didn't like cars, I didn't like all those macho things, I mean, I collected Hot Wheels because I thought they were cool, but I could give two, you know, uh, two fucks and a rabbit as to what a transmission was, you know what I mean, I, I just was interested yeah. in certain things, and dad didn't wrap his head around that, and I always thought it was interesting because my brother, he's very artistic, um, I don't know if you met him at the con or not, but he was working the table with me. Um, that's my little brother. My little brother got the same grief, but he's straight up hetero. <laughs> and it's, it's funny, the reason why he got the grief was, I'm going to be frank, my brother's a pothead and an artist. <laughs> <laughs>
so the stereotypical yeah. artist. Yeah. Well, I was into art too. I just didn't. Well, I dabbled a little, but not a whole hell of a lot. But the kicker of it is, is, is that we lived with a father who didn't understand any of those things. And so we tried our best to be macho, to date women, get married, have kids. And, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of wrong. And I'm not trying to blame Dad 100% because at some point I should have said, hey, you know, this isn't who I am. Deal with it or get out of my life before he died. <laughs> but there's the problem. I mean, this was a man who there were times, simply put, I've got scars. And, I, and I'm not talking just physical ones or emotional ones. I'm talking scars altogether from this man. Um, and that kind of kept me from identifying the way I wanted to growing up. And I think, and I wouldn't say everybody that is in that situation, but you don't have just your father or your parents like influence on you. You also have societies. And think about when we grew up in like the 80s and, you know, was in high school and early 90s. I mean, come on, you know, being gay wasn't as accepted as it is now. Uh, it, it, there's definitely, even though we're both the older generation, so to speak, there has been over the at least past 20 years loads of progress um, in a lot of ways, especially the uh, transgender community. Right. So... I'll give it that. And seeing, seeing that it, yeah, it, there's a lot of progress. A lot of, uh, a lot of those who are like myself are willing to learn and come want explanations and at least come with, while asking why. Yet the rest of us are still coming along, kicking and screaming. No, we don't want to go. We, we don't want to accept this. But yeah. eventually. It's going to come down. I didn't mean for you to bring up your past like that. Well, I just want to kind of give people a background because a lot of people are like, well, you know, this was a sudden change for you. I'm like, yeah, I had damn good reason why it was a sudden change. You know, you when you survive things like abuse and cancer and bad relationships, at some point you've got to say, hey, I've got to live my life. And a lot of people – and I thought it was funny because I had this conversation with my mom the other day. Um, because if – you know, I've already told you, but to the audience out there, I had recently lost my job for coming out, um, for basically, you know, trying to make changes in the workplace and things of that nature. And I thought it was funny the other day because my mom was kind of talking with me and she's like, so how are you going to job interviews? And I'm like, and how I'm dressed, I'm like, like this. And she's like, well, you can kind of fake it until they hire you. And I'm like, no, I'm going to live my life honestly. I'm not going to go to a job interview giving them what they think they're going to get and then actually giving them what they're going to get later. That got me in the trouble as is. You know, it shouldn't have happened, and it sucks, but there's a point in your life where you're like, hey, this is who I am. I'm tired of living a lie. And that's why I'm kind of glad for the younger generation. But it sucks, you know, some of the hardships I'm going through now. But I look at it this, this way, I'm much happier, even though i got to butt my head a hell of a lot more. <laughs> so uh, um, the thing is, granted, there's a lot of people like me that's asking, willing to ask stupid questions to get somewhat logical answers out there um i don't want to there's a lot we could probably continue for another couple of minutes too but what advice do you have to um those who are i won't say considering but considering coming out or 
having the issue, I won't say having the issue, it's not an issue, it's not a mental condition. Um, for those, how do I put this? Um, for those who are the younger generation that inside them they might feel like yourself, um, that they don't fit in that gender specific category. norm. Category. Well, um, there's the thing, and it's terrible. I'm trying to scroll down through Facebook because I addressed something like this just the other day, and I'm looking, looking it up. Um, but basically, the big takeaway here is is that at the end of the day, people got to accept the fact that they are okay with who they are. Um, they are live a lie. Don't you know? Fear losing friends and family, because like I said earlier, you know, if people leave. Maybe they weren't your friends and family to begin with, you know, and that's why I think it's so cool because people that stayed, it strengthened my relationship with them. I have so much, you know, better relationship with my mom, with, you know, my eldest son, with my brother, with friends in general um, that stuck around because now they have a better understanding. Yeah, you always did seem a little different. I'm like, well, thanks for rubbing it in, <laughs> you know. But um, the kicker of it is, is, is I always tell everybody, you know, you're not alone and you're not a freak. And there's nothing that, that can prevent you or stop you from doing anything except yourself. Granted, people can threaten you. People can give you a hard time. But at the end of the day, the only thing that's stopping you from achieving your dreams and what you want out of your life is yourself. And once you get past that and accept the fact that you're okay, also know that you're not alone. You know, there are other people out there like you that will welcome you with open arms. And that's something I always say to everybody. I'm like, look, I try to not be your stereotypical transgender person. I, I try to be me. And granted, there's a lot of people that have a stereotype, but I feel that I'm accessible. There's, you know, people out there. There's help out there. You can get in touch with me. You can get in touch with anybody. But the big takeaway is, is you're not alone. Don't live in fear, and just know that you're okay. Yeah, and for those who are part of that, I, as someone who is um, from the other end of the spectrum, so to speak, if you want to call it that. Um, as Sasha said, you, you there is help. There, move forward, move forward. There is help for you. Um, don't go back. Don't live. Uh, I've seen it myself with uh, several people who have been abused, and even on the straight end of, end of things. Uh, again, I know that's a bad bad word and all that, but in all aspects of any relationship or any ordeal, that if you're in a type of relationship that is potentially toxic or abusive you have the right to walk away uh, do not fall back uh, I've myself have seen that personally happen um, I was in a relationship where the person I was seeing the person I was seeing went back to a very abusive relationship um, because she couldn't help being as she once said she couldn't help being free uh, which is very sad. Yeah, we we live in a time where to kind of engulf the LGBTQ community, you have the right to be free uh, in all aspects of your life. Exactly. Well, there are there are many ways to find it out. Um, just that it you you going back, you're not only hurt, hurting the people that are trying to help you, you are hurting yourself. Uh, be who you are. It's an identity. If it's it, it's going to come out silly. It's going to come out stupid. If 
um, wearing a um, a male outfit helps you feel better if wearing a female outfit helps you feel better even for a few minutes or it makes you feel more comfortable with yourself do so uh, again I said sounds stupid and wrong but if it if it is if that helps you uh, and if it's progress to lead to find your true identity if that's the way you are progressing in your life then then do so it, it, we're we are becoming uh, a more progressive society um, don't listen to a lot of the those out there who are the douchebag douche nozzles uh, there are a lot of <laughs> I say that humorously because there are a lot of bad apples on both ends yep. of the stick um, so uh, be, have that open mind uh, I know Sasha might remember the old aspect of uh, the Fox show where the host said that no mystery is closed to an open mind, and it applies to a lot of things. It, it literally does. Um, a lot of, if you keep your mind open, you, you have access to the Internet some way, somehow. Do your research. No one's going to um, push you away, and there's going to be a lot of groups that are going to take you in with open arms. Um, it's just going to probably feel a, a, if you're new and you're unsecure, if you're a transgender or if you are, if you're a gay and there's going to, it's going to probably feel weird to you. It feels, um, from someone who is straight like myself, it feels weird talking to Sasha because I, for a better part of my life, I, life, I have not had contact with someone like Sasha. So it, um, that's why one of the reasons why Sasha's being so welcoming and so happily giving up information. She is helping me understand this aspect. But uh, please, you know, it's going to feel weird. It's going. It feels weird for me. Um, please, Sasha, don't take any no, offense. No, 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 uh, no, it's, it's, it's fine. Uh, it, it, um, it, I just, it, just think it's, it's interesting because a lot of people come up to me and the first thing out of their mouth is, "You're not what I expected." Now I'm just kind of like. Really? Tell me what you expected. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> Give me some feedback. <laughs> and I get it because I – how can I put it best? I, I know a few other people like myself, and some of them seem to fall into a stereotype. I'm like, why? You know, I get that you're trying to appear more feminine. I get that you're trying to sound more feminine. But there's a point where you go, okay, you're overdoing it. You sound like Minnie Mouse. <laughs> you know, it's terrible as that makes me sound. But it's like, you know, just be you and be happy with what that is. You know, we, you know, we, those of us that are out there, we get that, you know, what you are on the outside may not be how you feel on the inside. Because there's four aspects to, like, gender. You've got gender expression, which is basically what you see on the outside, how I'm expressing my gender. You've got gender identity. That's up here, how you feel, how you think it. You've got your sexual, you know, orientation, basically, you know, what you prefer, and then you have physical sex, you know, basically what's between your legs. There are four different aspects. You can express one way, identify the other, have a completely different sexual orientation, and who cares what's between your legs? You know, it doesn't matter. And, like, a big takeaway for everybody is, is like I said earlier, you guys are all okay. You guys are not freaks. You're not worthless. You're not hopeless. And like I said before, you're much stronger than you think you are and nothing can stand in your way and make you feel horrible except yourself 
If you're letting anybody else doing that, you're letting somebody live rent free. Screw that. You know, the biggest judge is yourself, and you got to be happy with yourself. You know, and nothing you could ever feel can stop you from doing anything that you want. But you just got to know at the end of the day, you're okay, you're not worthless, and you're not a freak. And most importantly, you're not alone. Well, I'm going to, uh, with a little bit of Sasha's permission, I'm going to uh, say this. If you are, if anybody out there listening to this um, is afraid of coming out as transgender or curious as, um, in reference to that, uh, I will send me an email in reference to uh, the show, which is longcoatmafia at gmail.com, and I'll forward it to Sasha through Facebook, um, and I'll let her decide whether she wishes to answer or not, and I'll be the mediary for it. Um, if anything, I'll, if they might want to... Uh, contact you are they able to give you yeah, their, so, the Facebook um, page or I actually run here in it's not just for Franklin County I cover the four state area so that's you know PA in the West V in Virginia um, we actually do have a web page as well as a Twitter um, you can find us on Facebook, um, facebook.com, that's You Belong Franklin PA, but again, we cover the four state, that's our Facebook page, um, you can also email us, um, and it's you, not spelled out, so the letter U, B-E-L-O-N-G, You Belong, for the number four, state, at gmail.com, and we also have a Twitter account. I'll, I'll include those uh, links uh in the show description for anybody who's interested um, again they could uh, uh, also send me email for the for the links and everything else I'll be happy to provide them um, for those who are curious and uh, have any questions and so forth and so on because I know um, I don't know we've been getting the show's been getting low numbers anyway but um, just in case somebody stumbles apart upon this uh, and they have questions I'll be happy to give them information uh, as well as our, on our Facebook page here at the show which is Facebook slash facebook.com slash the Long Coat Mafia podcast our Twitter is uh, Long Coat Mafia uh, we're easily find we are very uh, fan friendly and f open to our fans no matter whom you are um, we'll try to help you the best we can but no I won't I don't want to say no guarantees but um, we'll help you at least point you in the right direction where to go um I don't want to say we will, we will laugh at you, depending on, on some of the things we might actually well, laugh. Trust me, I, I, uh, I used to run a couple different like LGBTQ organizations outside of my own, so trust me, I've seen it all, and I am very prominent on social media and YouTube, so I'm used to trolls, so come at me. I, if you can make me blush, you'll save me on makeup deals. So it, um, we are open to reference that. We're, uh, we're always down for a good luck. Well, if you make us smile, we will we'll smile out and laugh. We we are more than willing to laugh with you. And if you poke fun of yourself with the name of comedy, not in a self depre uh, depreciating yes. way, we will laugh at you as well. So it, uh, we're very open minded people, at least here at the show. Um, that's one of the reasons why we have Sasha to kind of explain things and open things up, and to be relevant in media. Um, kind of. Backtrack in reference to uh, uh, both of us are, like I said, geeks, and uh, open that in reference to that. How do you, um, 
being transgender in a geek environment, how's that aspect towards you? Well, I've not ran into any issues. Um, the only thing of it is, is, is the gaming community. Uh, no offense to any gamers out there, but y'all are sexist. <laughs> I mean, uh, seriously, I mean, it, it, it's pretty bad. Um, you know, I, I just kind of went off on someone on Twitter last night because, you know, they were making comments of, oh, it's too hetero up here. Let, let's post, you know, you all need to send us your gayest pics. And I'm like, you know, the only thing I responded with is, well, it is Pride Month, so, you know, maybe we don't need as much hetero up in here. <laughs> and then, of course, somebody wanted to drop the uh, tranny word, and I, yeah, I just didn't take well to that. <laughs> You know, somebody being attracted to a tranny and then being gay, I'm like, you know, there's four different levels here. I have a chart. Would you like me to show you? <laughs> you know? And, and to me, it's like, there are, there are some... That, that brings up the comment. Show me on this chart where it applies to you. How did that offend... Where on the internet on this chart did it offend you today? Exactly. And, and to me, it's like, wow. You know? It, it's just It's just aggravating because... You have somebody that was describing tranny, which to me I always see with the, you know, the the sex trade in and of itself. I, I hate that, you know. It's like, eh. And then of course adding on top of that, gay. You know. Now I always joke with everybody. I'm like, well, if she's, you know, if she's transgender and is into girls, or you know, is that okay? Is is that gay? What what is your 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 perspective here? You know. And I always laugh with everybody because people try to figure me out because they're like, well, you're transgender and you're pan. And I'm like, yeah, and? <laughs> and it, it just cracks me up. But, yeah, it's just one of those things that aggravated me the other day. And it's like, come on, come on. Guys, you guys are big YouTubers. You all should not be making comments about the gay community and not expecting somewhat of a backlash. And that, that's usually the aspect. It's like they have a backlash, and when they get attacked, it's like, oh, you can't attack me. Well, that's what I thought was funny. The one back down, but his, his fans continue to go on, and I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, that's that's been – that's. I'm sure you've been on YouTube long enough to know that's kind of the issue nowadays. It's the, the YouTuber themselves could have actually sincerely apologized, but the fans are the ones that – Oh, yeah dredge up the most oh, trouble yeah. and, and, and that's something I always find humorous because like I have a friend that does YouTube videos and he was upset recently because he's getting a lot of negative responses and I'm like you know negative responses are better than nothing you know you could have over five six thousand views on a video but if nobody comments on it do they really watch it yeah that's that's how I put on my Twitter the other night it's like if I know people are probably listening but they aren't are they actually listening, or or what? I'm getting no fan feedback. You know, yeah, it's we just, don't have Nelson boxes, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. It's like I might get downloads. I might have people say, "Oh, um, I'm listening," or this, that, and other things. Like, are you really listening? How far are you listening? And I had one troll early on the early days. Yeah, I listened up until the introductions, and you guys fucking suck. Then you didn't listen to the whole goddamn show, yeah, did you? And, and, and to me, it's it, it is what it is, you know. But it's one of those things where you've got your passive listeners who actually may listen regularly, but you're not familiar with it because they're not giving you that feedback, or they may be listening through other means, which is what trips me out because YouTube videos can get shared, and sometimes that doesn't count towards your view count, doesn't count through a whole bunch of things, um, or you could have a big following on Facebook and people are viewing you left and right but nobody's interacting 
And, you know, if you're out there, drop a line. Say howdy to the Long Coat, uh, coat Mafia. Say, you know, drop a line to me. I don't care. Insult me. Make me laugh. I, I don't care. I'll, I'll get right back at you. And that's why I keep saying. It's like, listen, we're, we're here. We're doing this. Yeah, we're doing this for ourselves, but you guys are listening. You know, what are we doing wrong? Oh, you guys are talking. That's what the hell you know granted it's the internet days of the internet and they like you said there are trolls but we, at least you know sincerely what are we doing wrong i'm running out of ideas and trying to get my show out there and it, it's tough and you know from granted listeners i'm pulling back the curtain the um sasha is i what you're more so a YouTuber than anything else? Well, I do YouTube. And... I mean, it, it just feels how I'm feeling on Sunday. If I'm hungover, I'm not gonna do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> or if I've got the kid, I'm not gonna do a podcast because he always steals my good headsets. <laughs> but the aspect is that um, with that, it's trying to get your name out there, trying to get who you are out there is is extremely difficult especially nowadays um i'm sure it's tougher for you because you're transgender um just that when you go up to somebody saying i'm a podcaster or i'm a youtuber the you either two things i'm sure again it's probably worse for you at least when i say i'm a podcaster their their first thought is that i'm also a youtuber and therefore i'm making you know, I'm making bank because they, they hear about the Markipliers, they hear about the PewDiePies, they hear about these people making mil hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not 30, like either $30,000 to a couple million a year, and I ain't making anything on this. And that's one aspect. Or they look at me like I just pulled my hand out of the back end of my pants and it's completely covered with something brown and stinky and I'm trying to shake their hand. Or I'm completely disease covered, right. you know. So I'm like, really, you're 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 treating me like I have, you know, I'm contagious, and all I am is I'm a YouTuber. I'm I'm basically a low level reporter, and you're treating me like like shit. Now you're in, you're coming from a different aspect of things. Not only are you a podcaster and you YouTuber, you're also transgender, and which probably amplifies everything as well. well. One thing with everything that I do, I try to have fun with it because first and foremost, at the end of the day, I'm doing this for me. And the other thing I've noticed that's helped is like since I've started the daily vlog, I've, I've gotten more subscribers. I've gotten more friend requests. I've gotten more views, more listens, like with daily content or just a little short video talking about stuff. And I know a lot of people don't like to go on YouTube because they don't like to show their face. You don't have to. Like 90% of the YouTube videos I watch are video clips or something. Um, and then they have like the audio going on in the background. Granted, the thing that annoys me the most is, is when people do like a podcast, for example, like what we're doing now, but then they just have a static background for it and stick it on YouTube. It is the most annoying thing in the world. Have a flip show. Have like a little slideshow going on. Have something that people can interact with and if basically your content run long break it up into parts break it up into pieces a little you know bite-sized nuggets that people can digest um, granted like a conversation we're having today that's going to take a while and i think that's what a lot of the traction is with podcasting like i'd rather do like one of my like vlogs for example because most of those range anywhere from five to ten minutes a day 
Whereas with this, you know, it's two hours of just audio. And nothing wrong with that, but the human attention span isn't like, you know, it was when we were born. I mean, come on, they have MTV now, they've got the internet, they've got everything fast now, 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 now. And I think... Yeah, with... I think it's worth I think that's what I do with... Yeah. Uh, with, with the podcast, yeah, granted, I could... Um, with a little bit of uh, trimming with the beginning of a little discussion back there, it'll probably be about two hours, two hours and change. Granted, that's that's fine for most people. And the fact is that, like what I did a few weeks ago with my awesome con review and going to the aspect of the library drama that I've been going through, I could do something like that solo. And when I have my next hostful, I could cover more quick topics over that that particular podcast, and just glant, quickly brush over Awesome Con, briefly cut, gloss over the library drama, and everything just runs simply and easily, and so forth and so on. And that's the beauty of podcasting, especially with uh, YouTube and all that. If you want to talk about something different one week, you can do that, and. Um, there's a YouTuber. I'm not sure you've seen of seen him. The channel is uh, some ordinary gamers. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the um, things he he did a parody of. Uh, he's gotten a lot of questions. Was how do I make a successful YouTube channel? And he did this parody like you're gonna need this, this, that. Make sure you have a woman with big breasts and scamp scantily clad. And you're doing this. You're doing fake pranks. You're doing this. Do this. Do this. And he said if you don't didn't understand that everything in this episode, this video, was sarcasm and a joke. Something's wrong exactly. with you. That's what it is. The best best thing you could do when you're doing your own YouTube, and it applies for a podcast as well. It's your podcast. It's your YouTube channel. You could do whatever you dang well please. Exactly. And I, I and, think that's something that people don't get. A lot of people hop on YouTube. A lot of people pop on like a podcast and things of that nature and they're expecting that popularity they're expecting things to go off the hook at the end of the day i do this because hell i'm not working and i enjoy freaking doing it it, it and not only that but i feel that i give a unique voice out there um there's a couple of other transgender youtubers out there that have huge numbers but what cracks me up is they're they're the stereotypical i always like to say hey i kind of stand out from the crowd i always have um, and I'm very upright, I'm very honest and straightforward with people because you know, it's just how I'm built. So I provide something a little bit different, but I'm doing it primarily for me because at the end of the day, you know, when I'm 60 and 70 years old, it'd be nice to sit down and look at some of these videos and go, okay, well, that's what I felt like back then. I wonder if it's still the same. And even though we're kind of this is the tail end of the show, so to speak, I just want to let like can you continue your conversation? Is that I want to, for the most part, this is this is going to go up as is. A little bit of the beginning is going to get trimmed out, but um, everything from the greetings I'm speaking with, you know, Sasha and so forth and so on, is going to make it in. But I'd rather have something like this that's not only geek related but educational as well. Um, uh, again, that's nothing against you, but it, it shows the listeners that yeah, we're yeah, we're a little bit topical because it's I'm talking to someone who's transgender, but not many people have the guts to do with the whole aspect of you're not supposed to talk to those people because they get offended quickly, which is another misconception. Yeah. Um, 
and it's a negative one that some people might put out there. I'd rather have something out there that someone can listen to and be educated a little bit. Oh, like, oh, here's somebody that's a little bit open-minded, a little bit, you know, wants to ask questions, some of the questions or go into some of the topics that I, I don't know about. But here's two people that are willing to educate me in something else and from two ends of the stick, so to speak. One's that stereotypical straight male, the other one is transgender. But it it's always good to see and hear that. That's what I, I want to do a little bit. It helps everybody. Exactly. And, and that's one of the things where I always kind of say about my channel, you know, if you want to learn more about what I think or if you have questions, you can just shoot me a message. You can email me. Um, email is pretty easy to remember. It's the Princess of Darkness, 1978 at gmail.com. Don't care what the question's about. You want to ask me about fandom and horror and sci-fi and video games, I'll talk to you all day. You want to ask me what it means to be transgender, I'm down. You know, and even if you come at me as a jerk, I'm still going to, you know, I might give you a little smart ass on top of it, but I'll still give you your answers. <laughs> That's always good. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, Crystal Pepsi might be coming out and starting August yep, already, 8th. I have a legitimate blaming I've, people. I've already, <laughs> I've already got my little brother looking out for that for me because he works at a rudders. I'm like, as soon as it comes in, a bunch of cases need to fall off the truck. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad enough I missed out on that. Now, for some of our regular listeners out there, it's their fault. Crystal Pepsi's their fault. That's always been my standard re reply. You know Crystal Pepsi? Yeah, your fault. Uh, so... I have something that I can legitimately blame them for them. But for now, it, we've been doing recording this for better part two of hours. two hours. A little bit more than two hours. Well, um, I'm happy to have... Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to have... I'm going to end the call, end it here. Um, end the show here. I'm happy to have Sasha on the show. She's more than welcome to come back on every now and again. She's, she's fit. And her Skype is working fine. And it... I might have her on every now and again where uh, if there's a, a lull in our show and she wants to talk about something and team up, it's always happy to have her on. And I'll probably probably be seeing her again in in person this December. You're going to be at a, a match show, December I'm show this year? Try. I'm trying to raise funds for it right now. Like I said, being unemployed sucks. Yeah. Um, getting fired for being who you are sucks even more, but if I can raise the money, I'll, I'll raise the money and I'll get there one way or the other. By hook or by crook. So if you're going to be at, <laughs> um, if you show up at the Matt's Winter uh, uh, Pop Culture Show, I'll be happy to see you there. I'll be, in, I'll have a table or two there myself and um, be happy to probably have you on the show, bringing it as a live guest instead of Skype. Um, again, uh, you can find Sasha at uh, YouTube slash Sasha's podcast. I'll put the link. Sasha, po what is it? Uh, Sasha's podcast of darkness. YouTube.com forward slash C forward slash Sasha the Princess of Darkness. Okay. I'll provide the link and plus the other links in the description. Uh, you could find us, on, again, you can find us on Facebook, uh, which is Facebook forward slash, Facebook.com forward slash the Long Coat Mafia podcast. As always, we, you can find our past shows on our website, which is the Long Coat Mafia, 
www.podbean.com. And if anybody is willing to make a long coat out of logs, please do so and take a photo of it. I would love to see a few of those. Hell, if you do make one out of logs, please give it to us at one of the shows, and I'll be more than happy to wear one out of logs. Um, and to explain to Sasha is that when I do my Instagram, it comes up as log coat mafia so it's it's a little bit of funny thing hey, so character I'll, I'll be more than happy to see that um our twitter and our instagram accounts are both uh long coat mafia and so we'll see you guys next time and we'll we'll probably have sasha on but that's the end that's my marker i'm going to pause it for a little second so if she if sasha wants to talk a little bit after the show she's more than willing to so pause dramatic it's shocking humiliating and it's unacceptable Oh, come on, it's a classic. <laughs> the only show in the world that gets better the more it's re-re-rerun. Do I get a choice? No! No! Screw you guys, I'm going home. Okay, people, move along. There's nothing to see here. You're listening to the Long Coat Mafia. Capiche? Welcome back, everybody. I hope you enjoyed kind of looking back to 2016 to Sasha, the Princess of Darkness's first appearance on our show. And if you want to comment on regards to how cringeworthy it was and how bad the audio quality was, please do so by sending us an email at longcoatmafia.gmail.com. I'll put a couple of comments on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the Mafia podcast. Now, let me just say this. Again, these are bonus episodes, our regular uh reposting or the regular episodes that we've been putting out have been posted up been posted up on Mondays if not on Tuesdays the latest depending on when we get the audio from Sasha herself so uh, that also being said let us just say if you're hearing this we are if not will be continuing our GoFundMe to help kind of trim the costs of our getting new or newish equipment. It's not being a handout. It's not everything else. If you think it's a handout or anything like that, it's not. You don't understand how podcasting works. And it many f- podcasters, the reason why I say this is because a lot of podcasters out there uh, have Patreons. I'm just wanting to help ease the cost on for us as a one-time thing where I'll, while a lot of other podcasters and YouTubers use Patreon to help supplement their income and get new equipment, update their equipment, and uh, so forth and so on. So let me just say that. Uh, The links to our GoFundMe, if you want to either uh, donate or share that link, will be in the description down below. Uh, Find the GoFundMe link. Go find our Linktree link, which is in our Instagram link, and so forth and so on. Share it out. Uh, share this episode out um, because if there are things that happen to our laptop, we cannot, in essence, put out content on a regular basis. So therefore, when we put out our regular schedule episode, we will put out two bonus episodes, this being the first, and stay tuned for later this week for our second episode. So take care. I'm the Reverend Godfather, and I am out of here. You've been listening to the Long Coat Mafia Podcast, the Internet's most hated and mafia-themed geek podcast.